see, hear, talk, at you. See. What. Yeah. Verb. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. again <laughs> welcome dear listeners to xanadu cinema pleasure dome i am melissa and this is wendy and we are here to do our second movie marathon yes so so during the course of doing these episodes we have so many moments where it's like oh my god you haven't seen that movie you love that movie and oh my god you haven't seen that movie ah. we, should, we should watch it so this is where we have ensconced ourselves hmm. In a living room for an entire weekend. Yes. We have snacks. Yes. We have makings for chili. Yes. We have Jet's Pizza on speed dial. Oh, yes. And we have movies to share. I have six films I want to show Wendy. Wendy has six films she wants to show me. Mm. And there are three additional films that neither of us have seen Ah. that former guests have told us that we need to watch. Ah. So a total of 15 movies. We, yeah, that adds up, right? Yes. Yes. 15 movies. Yes. 15. (laughs) We are so excited. Yes. Nice to put Everini. So, yay! Yay! <laughs> All right. So, um, since so, Melissa kicked us off last time we did this yeah. by showing me Gold Diggers of 1933, which was amazing. Yes. Um, and a musical I had not seen. What the hell? Um, so, I feel like it's only fair that I kick off this one with a B-movie science fiction ridiculous Ooh. film that Ooh. Melissa has not seen somehow that stars... So many people that I know she loves. So we're gonna we're gonna kick things off with the core. <laughs> <laughs> I was Stanley here. Tucci. Yes. Oh, bringing the Tucci. Bringing the Tucci. We're, we're gonna kick it off strong. Oh. All right. So awesome. listeners, um, uh, we're gonna tweet about this and Facebook it as we're going. Yep. So um, eventually, if you're following on Facebook or Twitter, this episode come, will come out and you'll be like, oh, I remember when I was following that on Facebook or Twitter. But mm-hmm. um, you know what, listeners? You should consider doing this for yourself. Grab a friend and pick out some movies and just spend a whole lot of time watching movies together because yay. But right now, it's time to educate Melissa <laughs> on the necessity of keeping the core of the earth spinning. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we will be right back after watching the movie and we will comment upon it. Yes. All right. See you soon. What do you call this material? Well, its real name has 37 syllables. I call it unobtainium. Well, we just watched the core. (laughs) (laughs) Melissa had a glorious time, everyone, watching that. I did. did. It's like, you know, it took me a few minutes to get into it. And then then they drifted a space shuttle in the the Los Angeles aqueduct. I know! And it's like, okay, I'm on board. (laughs) I know what this movie is now. I'm good with it. I'm good with it. There was when he, uh, he's like, this is the earth. 
without its without its electromagnetic field. This is the sun. <laughs> and Melissa is just like. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. Now, I, I love how the movie just completely plays it all straight. Yes. Yeah. It's like utterly in earnest about all of this. And bullshit. that's what makes it so great. If oh, they yeah. were winking at the camera, it would not oh, be yeah. nearly as much fun. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, it's also obvious. They know exactly what movie oh, they're it's, making. It's totally self-aware, and yet they're not... They're taking it seriously. They're yes. they're going for the gold, baby. Especially yes. t- Stanley Tucci. <laughs> Stanley Tucci is good so god. Crazy. Oh my god, Stanley Tucci is. What is it about the the black turtleneck and a black blazer that is like automatic asshole uniform? It was astounding. <laughs> and put that put that on Stanley Tucci. It's like. Wow, that's amazing uh-huh. assholeness going on. But that's it's a, a great, great cast. It is. Because you've got Hilary Swank. You've got Aaron Eckhart. You've got Stanley Tucci. Of course, you've got Alfre Woodard. Delroy Lindo. Delroy Lindo. That was a great moment because Melissa didn't know. And there's just a silhouette walking towards the camera. And I'm like, and here comes another amazing actor. And he popped in the screen and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> And it's and he's so good. He is. What I love about well, I the, just want to hug him anytime he shows up on camera, mm-hmm. even even if he's playing a scary motherfucker. He's like, I want, oh, Delroy Lindo. He's got a great smile. He does. What I love about the movie is there are tons of tiny little character moments that give you. I mean, so much is going on, mm-hmm. and uh, the performances are so natural that you're like, this is a B movie, and yet. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in the group scenes when they're all just sort of chattering back and forth. If you pay attention to the chatter, it's all so spot on. Mm-hmm. There's a moment when Beck, uh, which is Hillary Swank, is waiting to go face it like a board of inquiry and she's chewing gum out of nerves. And they're like, OK, we're ready for you. And she looks around and there's no place to throw it. And so she just swallows it. And it's that didn't need to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's such a great little moment that adds so much flavor. And there's great stuff with Braz and, of course, Stanley Tucci, Dr. (laughs) Zimski. And and there's one great moment with Sarah's where Aaron Eckhart figures something out. And they're like, okay, yeah, you're right. It is this. And then Sarah's is like, so here, 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 QED that. You really are spooky sometimes. You know that? (laughs) And it's under, like, it's almost, it's a throwaway line, but it's it establishes their relationship mm-hmm. you know they have a history yeah yeah this is a movie that the first time i watched it i'm like well that was just ridiculous but i enjoyed it and the more i watch it the more i'm like fuck you this is gold oh, the characters are just great they're it's it's fun to watch everybody doing their work on screen it's it, and and then and, and god the physics are really lame. there's I, so much that you're oh. you're just like wait a minute how are you doing that i'm i'm gonna point out that doesn't make any sense but I'm, it's not gonna keep I, me from loving it i can't get cell phone reception in like the bathroom at work and yet somehow they're talking to hq through like half of the planet yep <laughs> it's just mm. yeah yeah <laughs> but, uh, how are they how do they have radio contact we don't know shh <laughs> so anyway that yeah was the modern classic <laughs> the core <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I feel like there's only one way to follow that up. Oh, oh. Another rip snorting adventure. Oh. But I'm gonna bring the Hitchcock. <gasps> we are going to watch Foreign Correspondent. Oh I know, right? <laughs> so early Hitchcock, British Hitchcock. 
um, if the 39 Steps doesn't exist, I think this would be my favorite British Okay, Hitchcock. wow. So okay, I, okay. I like it. I'm I prepared like to rip and snort at this adventure. It, it, is, it is super fun. So I'm really looking forward to okay. this one. Okay, okay, okay. okay. All okay. Right, let's go, let's go, let's, let's go. go. Okay, okay. Mr. Hepstock, Mr. Flamet. With the double F. How do you do? How do you do? I don't get the double F. It's the beginning of and they're both small Fs. It can't be at the beginning. One of my ancestors had his head chopped off by Henry VIII, and his wife dropped the capital of the letter to commemorate the occasion. There it is. Now you say it like a stutter. I know, just straight for. Well, Wendy, what did you think? That was delightful. Isn't that fun? It's oddly lighthearted for being a kidnapping spy romp. <laughs> that just that ends with the blitz. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a little uh, unfocused in tone. Yeah, but yeah. Um, super delightful. Yeah, just I, I I have a great fondness for the movie. There 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 are scenes like a lot of early Hitchcock. There it's like yeah yeah you know there's like twenty minutes of setup and then it like wheels hit the road for 20 minutes and it's awesome and then you know it picks up a little bit and it's kind of like comedy and then awesome stuff happens and yeah, yeah that's fair yeah, yeah. It's, and of course melissa heard me say several times oh hitchcock <laughs> yeah oh that's the hitchcock we know and love it's like oh there standard, you are standard 30s fair and the, oh there's the hitchcock we know oh, and love oh look at you hitchcock look at that shot that shot's just pretty yeah the the, the most famous shot the the thing the shot that people seem to remember most is that shot of the umbrellas well it's so yeah. great yeah it, it, it's an overhead shot of a bunch of people in umbrellas somebody is running away so all you just see is the jostle of the umbrellas yeah. you can't see the person you can just see that the umbrellas are jostling along this path it's just like no oh, bravo sir yeah and bravo. it's the start of this wonderful chase scene and who is that girl because she was delightful oh god she was from oh 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 um Lorraine Day is her name. Not a very well-known actress, but no, she, she was wasn't. Very this is pretty and she very is, delightful. She is best known for this movie, but she was kind of all. She was in a lot of stuff in this era. Uh, she was in the High and Mighty, My Dear Secretary, The Locker, you know, stuff like that. Uh, she had a long career. She was she was in episodes of Murder She Wrote, uh, oh. <laughs> Airwolf, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. I I mean she she was here and there all over the place. But this is probably what she was best known for. But no, she's she's a lot of fun. I really like uh, Hitchcock heroines of this of this era and i yeah, uh, she's sassy yeah. and capable and very yeah. self-determined yeah it, it's like pre-ice queen hitchcock yeah because there's there's like a f- switch that gets flipped after uh, he stops working with ingrid bergman and and then that like icy hitchcock blonde comes in mm-hmm. but joel yeah. mccray and yeah, the way that blonde. he the way he just makes goo goo eyes at her is, is just adorable oh, yeah and but it's George Sanders. George is, Sanders wins everything. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, and just that that dialogue in the car that almost sounds like it must have been improv because who would write that? <laughs> ben Hecht, apparently. <laughs> um, but the way they deliver it is so natural and mm-hmm. just so bantery, and it was just 
Like, like, we're, we're, we're in the middle of a chase. Oh, it's spelled with two Fs, and the first one is not capitalized. And... Because an, an ancestor, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Wait, two Fs? Do you stutter? No, it's just one F. <laughs> and and, and, and no, it's, it's there on the dash of the car. Look. <laughs> and, and it all happened. And then I just said, what? And Melissa started giggling. It's like, yep, yeah, that, that's that's this movie. Yep. That is exactly what this movie is. And and, and the the little twists and turn turns the plot. I, I find really delightful. Like she she kidnaps herself and you know dashes those plans and you know it's it's like almost a screwball comedy, but it's not. Well, and then he yeah. writes the note and yeah. it's sorry, I just heard my daughter's car. Oh yeah. It's just like, it's oh, it's lovely. And there's beautiful. some beautiful, like tense Hitchcock moments that are just about, you know, you, you know what's happening mm-hmm. and that it's about to happen, but the, the hero doesn't know. And, oh dude, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was, but it is. And, and Santa Claus is a hitman. <laughs> yes. Santa Claus is a hitman. As a very genial hitman. He's a very likable and genial hitman who then stops once in a while and goes, hmm, should I kill you here? No, I'll wait. Oh, I'm going to kill you here. Oh, it didn't go well. Well, and he, I mean, seriously. Oh, if I hadn't shoved you, you would have been hit by the car. And Well, I mean, look at me. I don't look like a, a an assassin. I look like Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm just, I was really having trouble. Like, that's fucking Edwin, Edwin, Edwin Gwyn. I can't. Edwin, yeah. Yeah. What? No. He said, look, oh dear. Well, if you, if you just lean out a little farther. Oh, but um, it's really broad and over the top. And I love it. Well, especially the ending because it's set in Britain right before World War II. The whole plot is when slash if slash when will war be declared by between Germany and England and the whole deal and the last coda is totally like Hitchcock the Brit being like America come on we got to get in this war you got to help yeah. out England because America yours are the only lights on shine those lights <laughs> they're, the, they're the last ones left in the world <laughs> yes it's like and then, and then the Star Spangled Banner starts playing honest <laughs> no, to God you know? and yeah yeah it's it, it it's puts crazy. the B in subtle no the, the well it really it was a really serious play for, for oh, propaganda, God. but uh, um, it, uh, dear listeners, I I kind of misspoke when I did the intro because it wasn't one of his British films. This is one of the first films he made in America because he he came over and first made uh, Rebecca, and then this followed immediately after. Like this was 1940. Um, they finished the film on like May 29th. And then uh, Hitchcock like returned from Britain on July 3rd with word that the Germans were going to start bombing. And he called up Ben Hack. They wrote the final scene on the 5th and uh, the Blitz started on July 10th. So, I mean, that that is like how, you know, fast they were leaping on this finished film. So yeah, it it was a very, very unsubtle play for America's hearts. Dude, please help! Help! You can't just sit this one out. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. And so, finally, two years later, they did. They, um, they helped. It definitely. Oh, and oh, and there's a crane, a p- crane plash, a plane crash. <laughs> that, yeah. The the climax of this movie is a humdinger, isn't it? Well, it's just it's, wow. But it was a. German sh- boat that shot them down? I uh, Because I could yeah. swear that the pilot says, 
It's an American... And it, it, she thought we were a bomber, and it was friendly fire. Yeah. So did the pilot change? So I, I, I think, I think it was written like that just so they wouldn't. They didn't know how the war was going to go. So that was having f- it be like a mistake by the Americans that they're trying to cover it up, but that you know. So. Oh, okay. That was that was a little confusing. Yeah, and a little it, it is. It is very confusing but because just, honestly, all you care is about the plane crash. It doesn't matter. The what plane happens. crashes. A lot of people die, and that just does not get mentioned oh, in yeah. that plane crash. And it's and that really was a rip snorting adventure, Melissa. Yay! I'm yeah. glad you thought so. So, all right, it's time. Oh, oh, oh! It's time to decide what are we going to watch next. I feel like. There of my choices, there's an obvious sort of through line that we should follow. Mm-hmm. Like this, like any other pick would be sort of a left turn and a change lanes. But this one, we're already on the road. We might as well just keep going right down this adventure trope. It's time for you to see the Scarlet Pimpernel. Ah! Ooh, which one? Which one? Which the one? The classic 1934 with Leslie Howard and Merle Oberon. Oh, it's. I, I mean, I've seen the the Anthony Andrews one, and I enjoy mm-hmm. it for various reasons. And I've seen the other one, but. This one's actually my favorite. Excellent. So, yes, we're going to... I like this through line. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. gonna, we're going to settle All in. Right. We're going to get some adventure on. We might order some pizza. I, I think we really should. I was <laughs> going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm pizza hungry. Yeah. I'm, like, I think we... Yeah, yeah. I need stuff in my stomach. Okay, so dear listeners, we are going to go watch Scarlet Pimpernel and order Jet's Pizza. Yes! It is Jet's Pizza time. Jet's oh, Pizza yeah. time. Are you being offensive, sir? Who, oh, sir? Me, sir? No, sir. Stap me. I'm bubbling over with good humor this morning. Would you believe me? I've just written a masterpiece. Who, oh, sir? You, sir? Me, sir? No, sir. Yes, sir. I'm so full of pizza. Oh, the pizza was so good. Also, the movie was so good. <laughs> Isn't it good? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. It, it's all about Leslie Howard. It really is. <sighs> yeah, it's that... <laughs> He's a fantastic actor, and you ain't just watching him mince around when he's <laughs> when he's playing his part as the fop is just glorious. You know, starch in my tie, and the... a man who put starch in my cravat and put yeah. poison in my food—he simply can't be trusted. It's like a barber pole. Look at it, just sticking out there. <laughs> oh no! I mean, and he's like, well, I came to be doing the most. Difficult part of my day when I was tying my cravat. <laughs> <laughs> Who, sir? Me, sir? No, sir. <laughs> I love his feigning. It, well, it, it may be genuine interest in, in fashion, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, the really over-the-top obsession with with fashion that he has well, as that character. And the, and the principle is you might be an idiot, a coward, and completely useless, but you do know clothes. Yes. And his response is like... Well, that's got to be something then, right? (laughs) (laughs) What a great script. Uh, These cuffs are the last word. Well, I hope so, because there certainly shouldn't be another word after. (laughs) (laughs) He's so... And And his little poem and the... (laughs) And the way, you know, he lounges and then... And of course, the minute that he drops it, he straightens and... Oh, yeah. I mean, and he plays the back and forth so well and it's... Oh, God, it's just so delightful. And Merle Oberon is beautiful. Yeah, she's pretty amazing just to look at. <laughs> and then, you know, Raymond Massey just yes. <laughs> chewing up as much scenery as he can, just trying to keep up with Leslie Howard. <laughs> the scene with the two of him, I swear to God, Raymond Massey is trying not to crack. 
Like he's trying not to laugh in his face because he. he yeah, just, you can tell that like there's the little trace of the smile. <laughs> he, he's just looking at him like, "What the f are you doing? <laughs> What's with the cravat? Why you're touching? Okay, no. I, <laughs> And then because yeah. when he first meets him and he unties his cravat, but he never manages to actually tie it again. <laughs> and then when he sees him at the party and he reaches out and Raymond Massey actually flinches like, "Don't I just got it." Actually, I just, tied. it just, what the hell? You're going to untie it again. Don't untie it. <laughs> oh, what's the line when he first goes for the, the, the cravat? It's like, oh, the friend, they, the, they the, fall apart at their necks or something like that. Yeah. And then, and then he unties the tie and you can just see the relief in Massey's face. Well, you know, those French, they just go apart all at the neck and you get, he's like, what, 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 are, you ta- what are you talking about? The guillotine and the fact that we're beheading everybody we can get our hands on? No, you can't tie a cravat to save your life. Yeah, just yank, and he just starts undoing clothing. <laughs> oh, it's and I, such and I a love the little movie. triangular monocle thing that he's toting around. Yeah, then he just then he just like, what, 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 is, up. what is that? What does that even do? You know, it, it always reminds it. me of of the dude, the the bad alien in the last Starfighter. Yeah, with the <laughs> right in front of the eye, and he's just holding. He just flips it up like. What's going on? And, he, <laughs> and Percy Blakeney's gesturing and tapping and looking and, uh, and so oh my god, so British! Wow, oh, it's so delightful. It's, it's really so much fun, and it's oh. still the best of them. He uh, he set the standard. I was reading, I was quick reading the Wikipedia, and they had offered the I forget to who, but it was simply somebody completely inappropriate. And all the Pimpernel fans had said that in the Wikipedia, all the Pimpernel fans were up in arms because that man was not right for Percy Percy Blakeney. He was not nearly suave <laughs> enough, and so the role went to Leslie Howard, who. Set the bar <laughs> for how you play Sir Percy Blakeney, Baronet. <laughs> oh, how delightful. We're probably due for another Scarlet Pimpernel, though. Oh, That's yeah. It's time. such a great story. I mean, yeah. it's it's James Bond for the fop set. Yes. <laughs> and so much. Oh, but oh, the fashions in this. So much moose knuckle. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the, oh, God. The pants didn't do anybody any favors. I love the scene where he's in the men's club and all the men are stretched out with their leg out because, of course, they're in tight pants and it's not comfortable to sit like bent. So they're all just laying out. And this is what a men's club is, is apparently just finding a chair and bleh, like Sprawling. a beached whale. Like and he's all in there like oh you people and they're like you you're just a you're jacking apes and then he leaves they're like oh I'd like to see him like actually be useful and take fire and gun gunpowder and shot and meanwhile they're just drinking and eating and laying around like beached whales they're like oh he's useless and I'm just like look at you guys what the hell pot kettle oh yeah got those pants though <laughs> the, and the collars are so high and the collars and uh, to, to, oh, they're ludicrous i mean how, it's like how did you operate as a human like a satellite dish behind you they had to have been weird how that affected your hearing like you could yeah. probably like you echoed in your own ears i wonder if it's like one of those um um dish microphones you know you could really hone in on something really far away and hear like, it really well over there just isolate sound for you well you remember the convergence where we were parabolic the pass around yeah. was the cone the yeah cone of, shame. cone of shame and did you ever wear it 
Yeah. And when you had it on, it was sort of echoey and sort of weird and hard to hear people outside. Uh-huh. That's what I picture it being like with that <laughs> collar. Like, <laughs> and you can't just turn your head and look at somebody. It's got to be, oh, and there's that great moment where Marguerite's got that hat on and and Sir Andrew, Sandra Fuchs goes to hug her and it's just more sort of a lean in because, well, she's got that hat well, on. Well, it's not just the hat. She's wearing like 18 acres of fabric. <laughs> yes. Because there's the, the oh, oh, the drapery, you know, the, the dress and the cape and the thing that's tying her hat to her head that goes like to the floor. And there's so much, there's she so is, much fabric on that woman. She is wearing drapes. Yes. yes. I, I mean... When they, uh, when she faints near the end and they scoop her up and take her outside, it's like, dear God, how much, how much must she weigh, you know, just with all that fabric? Well, you can see the guard is trying to pick her up, like, trying to, like, where, where is she in there? Yeah. Like, there's a body in here somewhere. So much, so much fabric. Help me. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of scoop it all up. <laughs> and how much do you love the moment where you hear... The firing squad fire mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And then he opens the door and walks back in. <laughs> oh, I just forgot my hat. And you just... <laughs> oh, how brilliant. Oh, yeah. It's so delightful. So, yes, a perfectly delightful adventure film um, with a great cast and a mm-hmm. fantastic script. And, oh, it loves it i'm glad you loved it too it's so fun all right so are we gonna try for one more tonight i think we'll try for one more and it's got to be something high energy i think i yeah. think um it, this is slot number four which means we've had three picks it is time to get a movie from one of our guest stars yes so we're starting at we Noel Thingvall gave me a box yes. of Robert Aldrich movies that I have to avail myself of. And uh, we picked one out of there. We picked Emperor of the North. We are going to yes. watch Emperor of the North and that'll that'll boost us yeah. up, right? Yeah. It'll yeah. carry us through. Yeah. yeah. We're full of pizza and red wine right now. And we were drinking the red wine out of very fancy goblets in honor of the Scarlet Pippin. Yeah, very, very dainty, tiny yeah. little goblets. Oh, dear. Oh, well, dear. Hello. I feel like Terry Thomas, Terry Thomas. would make a good Prince of Wales. <laughs> yes, he, he'd make a wonderful Prince of Wales for that. Uh. But the point is, we're full of fat and wine. Yeah. So we're a little logy, so we need to bring it back up. Bring it back yep. up. Emperor of the North. So I, th- I think some Ernest Borgnine is in, in our future. Yes. So. All right. Let's do it. A man and a train, a train and a man. They both try to run as far and as fast as they can. But a man's not a train, and a train's not a man. A man can do things that a train never can. All right, that was Emperor of the North. That sure was. We got we got Lee Marvin, we got Ernest oh. Borgnine, and we we got Keith Carradine. What a weasley little Keith Carradine. Oh Jesus! I mean, there were many scenes where Keith Carradine was getting the shit beat out of him. I wanted more. Yeah. Yeah. Because he yeah. was a brat. He really... Well, and what I... I did appreciate in the movie that you're expecting the whole 
novice gets taken in by the veteran who's going to show him the ropes. And I'm like, huh, I wonder how this is going to play out. There's so many different tropes. But I honestly wasn't expecting him to be a shithead. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and, the, and to continue to be a shithead. And the novice is all like, well, you were going to show me the ropes, but I don't believe you're better than me, so you can suck my dick. Oh, wait, now I'm totally in trouble, and you came to save me, and we're pals, right? No, fuck off, you <laughs> dumb ass. Oh, so that was satisfying. That was when, satisfying. When he threw Keith Garradine off the train, that was super satisfying. Mm-hmm. There was some very strange blood, though, coming off of <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine bleeds paint. <laughs> he does. <laughs> like, and not just any color of paint, like psychedelic orange paint. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Oh, it was let, a crazy time. Crazy let's time. talk about that theme song. <laughs> oh, God, the music. The music. Okay, okay. so Emperor of the North, ladies and gentlemen. Um, oh, God, I didn't look up the year, but it must have been like early 70s um it there's a flavor to film in that era where there it, it's a period piece and yet there's like modern folk music over it and it, it's it was, super 70s it was seriously grizzly adams it was really grizzly adams and oh that's that opening theme song is the lyrics are astounding oh we got okay in the show notes we need to like somehow find it on you if we can we will try to find it on okay, youtube okay give me, yeah we'll try and find it on youtube but uh you know what i want to see if i can look up lyrics oh, <laughs> a man God. and a train the, yeah, a man's not a train, and a train's not a man. Hey, thank you, lyricist, for pointing out the obvious. I mean, it was just one bad line after another. Oh, it, like, oh I found lyrics. I, I found oh, lyrics. Okay. A, a man and a train, a train and a man. They both tried to run as far and as fast as they can. <laughs> but a man's not a train, and a train's not a man. <laughs> a man can do things... That a train never can. Oh, it's like... Oh, and there's more! It's like if Shel Silverstein got high <laughs> and and perhaps hit himself in the head with a hammer. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe if he was huffing glue. <laughs> like, like he damaged his brain in some way and then also got altered and was like, this is poetry, baby. Oh, this is poetry. Oh, boy. Yeah, that... that... Oh, that music was just special. But no, uh, the movie, the movie itself was was super fun. I, I wish I had a little bit more higher energy going into it because I think we we were loaded up on pizza and wine and we hit the like eleven thirty mark and we're like, oh. yeah, <laughs> getting a little low. But in here. that is but that's a, a fun movie. Mono a mono head to head. And lots of great one-upmanship. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it really, the selling point of this movie is what the entire movie is about. It's it's Lee Marvin versus Ernest Borgnine. And, that you know, it all boils down to two grimy men trying to beat the grimy, shit out of each other. grumpy men who take pride in being the best at what they do. Yeah. So this is set in the Depression era, listeners, and Ernest Borgnine is a train man, which means he... A conductor. Yeah. yeah, And he takes it as his personal mission in life to make sure no hobo ever rides on his train, ever. And he kills them if he can. Yeah, he he 
beans him over the head with a hammer and does not care what happens to him afterwards. It pitches them off the train when they're on the top of a trestle bridge. He doesn't care. You're on my train. Get off my train. And I want to hurt you in the process if I can. Mm-hmm. And Lee Marvin is apparently the best hobo <laughs> on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. A number one is his handle. And he's like... I'm going to ride that train just to prove I can. And so, and even announces it in the way that hobos apparently do, at least in this movie, by riding it on a water tower. Where, where does Fortnite concede? He's like, all right, you're going to try to ride my train. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to keep you off this train. Mm -hmm. And, and oh, the shenanigans. (laughs) I have to say, Ernest Borgnine. You know, he's putting up a game fight, but Lee Marvin has totally got it on him the almost oh, the God. entire movie. Well, because it's Lee fucking Marvin. And he's just it's like, just... Nope, I got all I got two more tricks than you can even think of. Oh <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah. Very, very satisfying movie it is. And then he made Although I, I could have I could have handled handled seeing more violence towards Keith Carradine. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Jesus, just... what a brat. I just it's like, oh, I do not like you. Well, their introduction is he's going to try and steal Lee Marvin's chicken, which is a very hearty chicken. Good God. I have never seen a live chicken used as an actual weapon before. An actual melee weapon. Chicken melee. Chicken melee. He's holding it by the... He's carrying it by the feet, which I'm like, okay, dude knows his bird, because that's how you you carry a chicken if you want to make sure it's not going to peck your eyes out or freak out. And then as he's carrying it, he gets attacked, so he just starts swinging it around at people and hitting them with his chicken. And the chicken lives! And the chicken's like, just kind of strains its feathers and shakes it off. Which is pretty impressive, because he's not tapping people. He's like, boom! That's not an eating chicken, man. You you don't want to eat that chicken. I mean, if it's... That's like Hulk chicken. Seriously. Yeah, that chicken is not going to be tender. And then, dear God, later in the movie... Lee Marvin finds a turkey. He's like, <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, that's a chicken upgrade. What the hell are you gonna do with that? And then he makes a cop bark like a dog. And <laughs> with, oh, okay. with, with the turkey upgrade, <laughs> this isn't a turkey. This is a dog. <laughs> and then the turkey gobbles. He's like, oh my god, look what you've done. And the cop's like, what have I done? You've convinced the dog that it's a turkey. Listen to it. You better bark for the dog. Show him how it's done. Go on, bark. And I'm just... I want to rewrite this thing. Like, take the script and completely take it out of context. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just... There there are just some delicious things in the script. And then there's the whole baptism thing. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, I have sinned. (laughs) I repent my way. Yes, yes, Yes. you do. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, Lee Marvin is so great in this. Like, this is is quintessential Lee Marvin. Like, just being cool and tough and, and smart and unbreakable just and, yeah and half the time he doesn't even have to say anything he's he it's like i don't even have to speak at you i i'm just gonna put my eyes in that direction you should know what i mean oh my god and keith carradine is such a dumbass he's so, adult <laughs> and i mean he's i mean he's not just a brat he's not just a novice he's actually dumb mm-hmm. because <laughs> lee marvin's like woo, and he's like Carrying up these buckets, and the kid's just like, oh, I want to. Okay, I guess I will. And he carries up the bucket. He doesn't even, he hasn't, like... Looked in the bucket. Looked in the bucket, and then finally, 
Lee Marvin shoves his hand in and it's grease and he's just looking at it. And then Lee Marvin grabs one and starts greasing the rail. And the kid's like, oh, oh. And so he goes along greasing the rail. The same rail. Behind Lee Marvin, <laughs> greasing a rail that has already been greased. And the look on Lee Marvin's face <laughs> is like, priceless. <laughs> and he doesn't even say, say a word. He just hey, uh, he tilts his head and just looks at the kid. And waits for comprehension to dawn. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And he goes over there and then just, he the doesn't even reel. roll his eyes. It's sort of a subliminal eye roll. Just really. <laughs> oh my God. But then he's all like, you got what it takes. You could be the best kid. Where did he get that from? I don't know. Is that wishful thinking? Maybe he was just bored. You know, he wanted a project. You know, it's like, it's, maybe I don't that's know. Because Lee Marvin, like, it's a, at, there's, it comes a point where he's like, kid, you could be the best. You could be the emperor of the North Pole. You're going to be the best hobo there is. I'm going to teach you how to do it, kid. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a C. A bouncy C. C. You know. <laughs> and it comes out of nowhere. And you're just like, really? You, you see you're, promise in this kid? He's dumb as a box of rocks. He hasn't given you any indication that he he wants your your information that you're about to impart or that he has any capacity to absorb it <laughs> oh god so I or mean, that he'll be thankful <laughs> yeah i mean it's satisfying uh, to watch oh. keith carradine get beat up a lot and eventually yeah. thrown off a train so i liked it i liked the movie oh yeah noel, it's super fun noel thank you so much yes thank you noel thank you thank you so much but we're gonna call a halt until the morning because yeah. both of us are tired we're very tired but i do know what i'm gonna start the morning with yeah. we're gonna watch with nail and i yay <laughs> yay <laughs> because good god that's how i feel right now <laughs> I, and, and, and you will understand when you watch the movie it's like oh my god that's what we're putting ourselves through <laughs> Oh, it's it's delicious, and it'll be a good thing to start the morning off. I oh yay! All right, all right. Mm. Okay, so we're gonna rest up because we need we need our full energy to to bring on the Richard E. Grant to bring on two Doctor Who's. It's true. It's true because you have Paul McGann and Richard E. Grant who played Doctor Who in Curse of Fatal Death and lick yeah, the mirror, gorgeous. Lick the mirror, gorgeous. So yes. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Hello. After we after we sleep. Yeah, we're gonna okay. sleep first. Totally. All sleep. right. Good night, listeners. We'll see you in the morning. Okay. Bye. Which will be very quick for you. Yes. Boop. It's morning, huh? A thermostat. What have you done to them? I haven't touched them. Then why has my head gone numb? I must have some booze. I demand to have some booze. Melissa, thank God for you. <laughs> Isn't it just the perfect movie for this thing? Uh, listeners, we woke up, we bathed, um, and then we proceeded to pour some mimosas yes. and start watching with Nail and with Nail and I. And drinking while watching it is probably required. Uh, yeah, because otherwise you'll just get drunk like from the contact of, of the screen to your eyeballs because there's so much alcohol in that movie. Here's I mean, it's, the thing. it's basically about functional alcoholics. Yes, it is. Yes. How 
does this movie not get mentioned more is the thing, especially in our circle of friends, because I feel like you're the only one who's ever mentioned it. it and I try to get other people to see it. I think it hit over in England, but didn't really come over here. We need to, we need to fix this. More oh, yeah. people need to see this. This is... I mean, it's British humor, listeners. This is not The Hangover. This is not A Laugh a Minute. This is not slapstick comedy. This is, it's a little dark and it's a little uncomfortable, but it is still, and it, but it's mostly humor of just, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yes, it's, it, it's a weekend filled with bad decisions. Yes. It's uh, two doctors who going on a bender in the country at a house they they procured through a relative who who who's an unremitting homosexual who, who is who is a raging he is yeah he is a raging homosexual yeah. he is unafraid to potentially rape poor palm again <laughs> i must have you dear boy um the movie starts and i told melissa this with paul mcgann looking very fretful mm-hmm. and i'm like and you sort of just because of cinematic tropes you're like i'm like is he grieving is he about to go to a funeral because he just looks so downtrodden mm-hmm. and sad and no he's just hung over yes. really 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 <laughs> hung over and it starts with him uh, filling the tea kettle in a gross sink and putting it on a stove and lighting the fire underneath it. And then he proceeds to put on his coat and leave. And I'm like, but he, there's a fire. There's, there's a, a fire. fire. And Melissa's like, oh, that is not the first bad decision that is going to happen. I'm just, oh, okay. It's a movie filled with bad decisions. This is just preparing you for the world of bad decisions that you're about to descend into. <laughs> Did it bite you? No, it was hot. My thumbs have gone weird. <laughs> oh, my God. And I... Between this, between Whitnail and Percy Blakeney and the Scarlet Pimpernel, I may not speak normally for a week. I'm either going to be British and drunk or British and foppish. <laughs> or some combination thereof. I feel like to Percy Blakeney and Withnail. No, Percy would be horrified at the way Withnail looks. Yeah, he'd be horrified at the fashion choices. <laughs> but I I feel like if Withnail could get Percy drunk, the two of them could have a good time. I think so. And, oh I just had a flashback of Richard E. Grant, like, wearing nothing but underwear and a coat and one pink glove slathered in, like, the British version of, of Icy Hot. Because they turn off the cold. heat. It's just because he's cold. And he's like, I know. I'm going to put this all over me and stand next to the heater. Yeah. What? 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 <laughs> and, it's, and he's, oh, my God. Now, that said, Richard E. Grant would make a marvelous Percy Blakeney. He would. He really would. And Paul McGann really is fucking gorgeous. He's a pretty, pretty man. He's very pretty. And he's so... (laughs) Oh, my God. I am so... I am both sad and so glad that I never had a friend like Withnail. Because on the one hand... I mean, because this is semi-autobiographical by the man who wrote it. Yeah. Bruce Robinson, I think is his name. But yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah, it's, it's basically him and a friend of his and kind of the, yeah, and the mischief and, and on the one hand, the, the stories you get to tell, but on the other hand, you almost got me raped, you asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and, and God, the look on Paul McGann's face is like, you turncoat. Yes. (laughs) God, you Asshole! <laughs> you, Whitmill, are an asshole! 
<laughs> just mm. the subtlety of the line, you should go be with him. It's like, and, and talk to him. Oh, oh, I will. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> he shouldn't be alone right now. Nope. Nope. I'm going to kill him. That's what I'm going to do. And then Danny, the drug dealer, (laughs) and the the black man in the bathtub, just there, presuming Ed. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, it's a marvelous team of actors in that movie. Every one of them. Oh, yeah. So great. And, and of course, the uncle is played by the guy who plays Uncle Vernon from the Harry Potter Potter movies. And And it's the same age. Like, seriously? And this was made in the late 70s. Yeah, like 1980, 1979. Yeah. Right. So it's been 30 years. He still looks the same. Like remarkably the same yeah it's kind of creepy like, like you'd, you'd think maybe he's got a painting hidden away somewhere except it's not like he started gorgeous no offense sir. <laughs> but oh boy oh boy what a cast oh what a cast. that was that was amazing and <laughs> and, and as, as i was telling wendy Every time I see with Neil and I, I catch more things and I find it funnier and funnier every time I see it. I mean, the, the first time you watch it, you, you get kind of thrown a little bit by the darkness of it, I think, because it is, it is pretty dark. And, and they're these are two very lost people. Yeah, and they're essentially functional alcoholics, or at least with Neil. And they go to a house in the country, which... You know, if you've got somebody who's wealthy with a house in the country, I think you're expecting something. But it's literally just this cottage. It's old and only the way something in England can be. So it's not like it's got any kind of functional equipment. Yeah, there's no electricity. It depends on you having skills in order to survive there. And these boys do not have skills. And they show up with nothing, with no food no, no wood. Go- no, no galoshes. No galoshes. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, dear God, boys, you're in Cumbria. There's mud there. <laughs> and they have, they have no capability. It's like they're, they're going to die there without some assistance. Mm-hmm. And they can barely cook the, the chicken. <laughs> the, the trials with the chicken. and <laughs> Don't look at it. It'll make friends with us. <laughs> And oh, and the way that they talk to a farmer, oh, we've gone on holiday by accident. <laughs> it's so We're true. not from London, we assure you. And he keeps saying that, like uh, you, you are so definitely from London. You are really from London, city boy. <laughs> oh. oh, so yeah. that was with Nail and I, and I am so pleased that that <laughs> is in my life now. I'm going to have to inflict that on everybody. Yes, it's like, have you seen it? You just need to see this film. So, um, I think there's an obvious follow-up here in terms of bad decisions, in terms of dark humor. Okay. And that's going to be The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. Oh, very nice. Well chosen. Yes, this is going to go... I think this will pair nicely. At some point, we're going to have to bring the mood a little bit lighter. Anyway. Oh, that's okay. I've got got something in the hopper. uh, Yeah, I figured you did. Okay. So, listeners, uh, Melissa has never seen The Longest Yard with Burt Reynolds. That one. Okay, it's been remade with Adam Sandler. I have not even bothered to watch it because <laughs> seriously and if you've never watched like Burt Reynolds at the height of his powers I mean Hooper was getting towards the end mm-hmm. right but when Burt Reynolds was hot he was charismatic as fuck so I'm excited to show this to oh, he never he never lost the charisma so I it's Burt you. Reynolds and it's an underdog sports flick totally in my wheelhouse <laughs> yay. yay oh let's go watch that yes 
You, you do this very often? I'm just as far from Tallahassee as you are, honey. You know what's great? When a movie you literally have not seen in decades is still awesome. That was really goddamn awesome. <laughs> so our second Robert Aldrich movie of the marathon. Not even oh, planned, nice. but Melissa reminded me. Yes. It's like, yes, it is Robert Aldrich. And, and a lot of the same actors as in Emperor of the North. Yeah. He's like, like, oh, that guy. It's like that, that guy, guy, that guy, that guy. Oh, and uh, Charles Tyner, I think it is. The guy with the jaws. Yeah. The, 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 plays the, the Weasley guy. The Weasley guy in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I like that actor. But anyway, you've got Burt Reynolds without his mustache. It's like... It, I, I found it unsettling at first. <laughs> True. <laughs> because literally he starts out the movie looking like full-on Reynolds with the, the handlebar mustache and the whole thing. And then, you know, he's an asshole and then he, you know, gets pulled over by the police and taken to prison and and then they shave off his mustache. It's like, <gasps> I'm the world has changed. I don't understand what happened. I don't know if I'm okay with this, but it's like, oh, okay, okay. It's still but he looks guy. nice without the mustache. Yeah, it does. I'm, I think I'm he's impressed. A, he's a, and he is so fucking charismatic. He is. He is. The, the raised eyebrow, the grin, the giggle. You're just like, I don't know if you're actually a good actor, but I know I love watching you on film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's just fun to watch. He really yeah. is. Oh, God. And it's an underdog sports film, so you know oh, I'm yeah. going to love it. And there's so many great little moments. So it's the, it, it, he's in prison. He leads a, um, in, well, <laughs> deeply encouraged by the warden to lead a football team made of prison inmates to uh, be like a practice team for the warden's uh, team of prison guard who are semi pro? Who are semi pro? And, and so, Burt Reynolds is an ex pro ball player who never, yeah. you can tell, never gave a fuck about football. Oh yeah, and so it winds up being Burt Reynolds trying to coach this team of prison inmates, not necessarily to win, but to kind of appeal to their their inner need to hit guards. And, and his coach and, and to, an ex ball player is like. It keeps talking about winning. He's like, I didn't say anything about winning. He's, I just want to survive this. And his coach very rightly says, uh, survival is winning. We mm -hmm. need we need to win to survive because no matter what we do, they're going to come down hard on us. And at right. least if we win, we have gained something in the bargain. Right, right. And it, it's it's a very manly movie. It's very, it's very it manly. It is very manly. <laughs> yeah. By the way, when did men with chest hair go out of movie fashion? I yeah, I I want chest hair back. I know, it, right? I mean, I'm not saying that everybody has to be hairy. I like yeah. a smorgasbord of flavors, but Burt Reynolds is unapologetically just, he's got a carpet on his oh, chest. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it's like, fantastic. It's like luscious. I, you know, <laughs> just, it's just, mm. Like when men were, when to be manly, you had a carpet going on. You mm -hmm. grew your rug, baby. And... <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I love it when Chris Hemsworth takes off his shirt and you can see all the sculpture that he has worked so gloriously mm -hmm. on. But would it kill you to let Chris Hemsworth let his hair grow out? Because I'm betting that man is hairy. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He lo he looks kind of Nordic. Well, he, he could he, well, he he could have that like soft yeah, but he downy. Could, he could have sort the blonde hair, which is sort of delightful. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, know. Okay, I, I feel like we've got a little afield. <laughs> anyway, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Well, so 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 Richard Keel is in this. Richard Keel as ah, Dick Keel as Dick Keel. <laughs> so that's Jaws. Jaws from the Bond from the James. <laughs> and he's he's huge for the James Bond oh my god and he's so tall but his voice is so beautiful mm -hmm. and he's so sweet yeah he and, just he, and he gets smiles. popped in the nose and he's like instant six year old girl ah. you hit me 
me. You he did it on purpose. And it's that other character actor, the bald, like, psychotic yeah, man. Yeah, I forget his he name. He plays all the bald psychotics in the 70s. Because he's good at that. He really yeah. is. And and what I love is that Burt Reynolds is like, looks to the bald psychotic guy. He's like, you need to apologize. And the bald psychotic guy, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. And Richard Kiel's like, he apologized. He apologized. <laughs> he's so pleased. He apologized. Did you see? He apologized. He apologized. He apologized. And, and Bernadette Peters with giant hair. Like giant oh brain God. hair. Like yeah. it sort of looks like maybe one of the Martian aliens. Yeah, I feel like she has a fetal twin on her head that she's trying to cover up. <laughs> it's amazing. Alice is looking at me while the movie is running. Is there a balloon under there? There's got to be some infrastructure. That can't just be hair. <laughs> that can't just be hair. It's like, I don't understand how that works. And then... And then, like, Burt Reynolds, when he first meets her, makes a quip about, you ever try it standing up? And then she's all, like, fondling herself. And sure enough, you know what's going to happen later. Mm -hmm. Because, oh, that actor, I can't remember his name, but he's in a lot of this era of films. And he's so likable, who plays Caretaker. Oh, I love Caretaker. Caretaker is the, he's the red. Yeah. He's the Morgan Freeman. He's that guy in prison who can get you things. He's, and he's also the moral compass. (laughs) He really is. He is. He is. He's like, you threw, because... Nobody trusts Burt Reynolds because he threw a football game in order to gain money, Mm -hmm. like to get a payout. And he was eventually convicted of it and thrown out of football. And so all of the other prisoners hate him. They're like, you could have murdered somebody and that'd be fine with us. But you threw a fucking football game, you asshole. Yeah. Nobody likes you. Yeah, that's just dirty. That's just, that's just that's mean. Just, no, not, not okay. Not okay. So the longest yard. Do yeah. not fucking watch Adam Sandler. Oh. I haven't even watched it, and I can tell you that it's probably shit. But, oh, it's what it's what Aldrich does best. It is manly, and it's funny. And it has split screen. It you know, does. You know what? I love the 1970s predilection towards split and split screen stuff because it's like people who use it well like Aldrich does pretty well with it well and it's instead like, of right. quick cuts trying to show you everything that's happening yeah. which is how they do it now there's something very elegant about split screen and the very deliberateness of it well and, and your eye yeah, can take so it in good. if you do it right of they're playing the football and you can see that the crowd is cheering for the guards and the inmates are chewing for the cons mm-hmm. beautiful yeah elegant beautiful Love it. Love it. Bring it back. Bring it back. I demand split screen. Also, I am a little drunk because we have started collecting our fallen soldiers. <laughs> there are so many of them. We Okay, we already killed a bottle of vodka. <laughs> we did? And then now there's another one. Well, we were drinking mimosas with Withnail and I. Yeah. And, and then and we there killed was still, the champagne. We killed the champagne, but there was still orange juice. And, and Melissa very wisely or foolishly said, well, I could drag out the vodka and we could have screwdrivers. Yes. What a good idea. So I am not tipsy and I blame with nail and I. <laughs> and, Don't and, mix your alcohols. <laughs> Don't mix your drinks. Don't mix your drinks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was The Longest Yard. I I really want to recommend it. Like, this has been a twofer of, like, I feel like films that have fallen off the radar. I've just yeah. fucking go watch them. Yeah. Fucking go watch them. That might be their sort of... Nordic name. Fucking go watch them. That's their long... Fucking, fucking go watch them. Their German last name. I, I, yeah. There ought to be yeah. a German word maybe for that, fucking go watch them. Maybe it's Belgian. It might, ooh, it might be. Belgians. You know, like okay. Farfig Nugent, fucking go watch them. Okay. Got anyway, it. so 
I'm having a hard time justifying this one as a through line. So I think I just might just say, I think we need a little change of tone. It's also, it's still a comedy, but we're going French. Woo! And we're going Jacques Tati. We are going, we are going to watch Playtime. Oh, yay! Yay! <laughs> There's something about the epicness of Robert Aldrich that made me go, I want to watch a 70 millimeter comedy. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. Yeah. So we're, we're going to pop in my Blu-ray. Jacques Tati. And uh, enjoy the hell out of it. Hopefully. And we're going to order some Chinese food, right? We are going to order some Chinese food and get some <laughs> some protein in our stomachs to go with the alcohol. And donuts. Oh my God. We, don't, we ate donuts. Yeah. To go with the alcohol and donuts. What? These are good life choices. But donuts don't have protein. <laughs> I feel like I need protein. They have lots of lard. That's fats. That's different. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a trio. Science. science. There's a trio. There are carbs. There are fats. There you are have a proteins. science degree. I do. Thank God. Yeah. You'll keep us alive. We we need to, we need to balance out our yin and yang here. We we need some protein. <laughs> So we can. <laughs> All right, that sounds okay. like a good idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll be we'll be back after we figure all this out. <laughs> Well, that was just delightful. <laughs> Yay, I'm glad he liked it. <laughs> that was like if Terry Gilliam was French and lighthearted. Yeah, if if Terry Gilliam was, oh, what's the word? Uh, it's not going to come to me. Anyway, then, yeah, playful. It, playful. It, it, yeah. If, it, if insouciant. Yeah. Because there's everything's sort of gray. Everything's very blocky. Everything's. It would be very easy to turn it into something dystopian, and it's not. It's not. It, it, it's all, all about. It's like these things are. Are I mean, you look at this modern city, and everything is beautiful and impractical, and people are just kind of fumbling around with it. But, but it's okay. You know, you're at a party at the end, and you know, well, yeah, it's, nobody's mean to each other. Nobody's no angry. <laughs> it's sort of like humans inadvertently build these landscapes around them that are that are actually obstacles and yet humans always unfailingly find a way to have a good time regardless. Mhm. Like, like even if the restaurant is falling apart around them, it's I like love, it gets better and better. I love the <laughs> the wealthy guys like, "No, no, this is now an exclusive club. I've just bought it." You can't come in here unless you've got the branding on the back. <laughs> oh, you don't. Hold on. I've got the chair here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Bonk. There. Now you can come in. He's got his little weird doorway. and just, don't, We don't even know how Jacques Tati ended up in his inner circle either. It, it, it just, well, I mean, that that's kind of the character, too. The character just kind of wanders around. It's like, oh, I'm here now. <laughs> Oh, I'm here now. <laughs> There's so much that is so visually delightful there. But I think I do love the door gag the best. The door gag is the best. I'm a doorman. I have no door, but I'm doing my goddamn job. I am doing, and I have a handle. So that means, no, no, sir, you're you're walking away before I've opened the door. Let me open the door for you. <laughs>
<laughs> no, I have rules I must follow. Oh, and thank you. Now you've tipped me because I, quote, opened the door for you. Oh, my <laughs> Even goodness. Even though there is no door. <laughs> uh, and, and just the, the goofy visual gags. I, I loved watching you watch this, especially, like, watching the first scene unfold. It's like, what what's going on? Is this that... And there are nuns, and their right, hats are flapping. flapping. Is this is this a hospital? Is it an airport? Is and then it... somebody with a baby, and then is this a bank? Is it a hospital? Okay, it's an airport. I didn't realize that. Why are those people back there just posing? Yeah, and I I, I think that first scene really prepares you for watching the rest of the movie <laughs> it's like, because because it's your eyes are constantly searching for what you're supposed to be watching, and when the answer is watch everything, yeah. Because something, something's there, always going on. There's a million things going on. All of it is delightful, and it's just whatever you happen to notice. Mm-hmm. And since there isn't really a plot or a through line, it's not like you can miss something. So just enjoy it. It's sort of a buffet of just yeah, just watch it. Just watch it. Go with it. See what every time you watch it, it's probably a completely. It is. It really is. A little is. bit different. I, I notice new things every time I see it. I bet. And, it, and it's beautiful in Blu-ray. It's now, a beautiful movie. I am Logie right now because yeah. I ate way too much Chinese and <laughs> there's vodka happening. So I'm going to drink some caffeine mm-hmm. because I got to wake back up. And it's only like five o'clock in the afternoon. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, God. But we are hearty souls. We, we are hearty. Soldier, we will soldier on. And there are Klondike bars. There are Klondike Klondike bars. Klondike bars. I have regular and minty. <laughs> so we're sitting. We're just sitting in the living room. We've just finished a film, and Fess op- apparently opened up the freezer. He's like, "Did you know there are Klondike bars in here?" And I'm like, "Klondike bars." And Melissa's like, "Yes, I I got those on purpose." There are Klondike bars. Fess, have you been holding out? No, I was saving them for the perfect moment. Klondike bars, says Wendy, and apparently the perfect moment is now. <laughs> So many Klondike bars. I, I think Klondike bars are are required. So yes. So um, I think I think from here we should move on to Hysteria. Yes. Which is which was a movie selected by Gordon Smooter. Yes. Yeah, so we've watched every three mm-hmm. films. The fourth film. The so the multiple of four. So we're on yeah. eight now. Mm-hmm. Really? We're on oh, eight. How? Um, Out of fifteen. Chris, we got a long way to go, Wendy. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so, so it's a pick by one of our guests that neither Melissa nor I has seen. And in this case, it's Hysteria, mm-hmm. which Gordon Smooter recommended. He, he said, oh, God, you guys got to see this. And I know it's a comedy. I know it's set in Victorian England. It is recent. It, it, it was made in 2011. Okay. And I know Jonathan Price is in it. <laughs> Okay, I feel like at the time Gordon mentioned this, yeah. I like had an inkling about it, but boy, it's not popping up now. I, I think we will find out very soon. You know what, what I trust Gordon. About. I do too. And more importantly, I could take Gordon in a fist fight, so if I don't like it, I'll, I, there are ways that that could also happen. I, I think we'll be pleased with this. I'm I, pretty I, sure. I, I am... I love you, Gordon. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's go watch a movie. Yes. And eat Klondike bars. Oh, don't stop. I think you're enjoying yourself too much. It makes your hand feel all, all, all warm and tingly. I feel it right down to the bone. Oh, really? Turn it back on. As a matter of fact, that is what I vaguely recall Gordon talking about. <laughs> now it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's about the invention of the vibrator. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I love that it's Rupert Everett who invents helps invent the library, the library, the vibrator. Uh-huh. I the the electric manipulator, <laughs> the Jolly Molly, the Jolly Molly. <laughs> okay, so um, and Jonathan Price, John- is, yeah. Okay, so it's wonderfully so, stuffy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I love Jonathan Price in pretty much anything. Um, th- th- well, dear listeners, it is a comedy based on the story about you know the creation of the vibrator. So you mm-hmm. know, doctors were. Uh, declaring women hysterical in in Victorian England. And And hysteria was uh, depressed, sad, anxious, aggressive, unhappy. Basically, it was the state of being a woman in Victorian fucking England. Yeah. And and also, on top of that, probably very sexually unhappy. So... Yes. Um, you know, the, the doctors were, you know, getting carpal tunnel, <laughs> manipulating these women to, to, to orgasm. So they felt better. And, and as the movie progresses, you, you see, um, you know, our, our dear hero with, with his <laughs> wrist in a cast, and then, no longer able to manipulate women and carry on as And then doctor. he tries with his left hand and we all know how that's going to that, go. That doesn't work. And so he, he approaches his friend who says, who, who who's toying about with electrical motors, the newfangled things that well, they are. Well, he's got his, like, electric feather duster, and he's holding it, and it feels good against his hand. He's like, yeah. oh, turn it up, turn it up, oh, oh, oh that and feels, that's a spot. Oh, that feels oh. so good. Oh, my God. This is, oh. I have an idea. An idea, light bulb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Light bulb. So, so, so they turn to engineering and science to solve their problems. And there's a whole romantic comedy plot thrown yeah. in there with Maggie Gyllenhaal as well, and yeah. that's that's fine. And you know, Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal is always delightful to watch, but um, it's mostly just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's fairly by the numbers. I, I yeah. would say it's it, with an exceptionally great source material. Yeah, the framing story of we're going to invent a vibrator mm-hmm. is uh, does make a delightful twist on the romantic comedy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a heck of a cast. Mm-hmm. So that's great. Yeah, it's fun. And it does sort of make you pause to think like, what, what if your job... <laughs> what if your job was all day manipulating women? There are gestures happening. <laughs> lots of... Lot lots of, of Manipulating um, in a completely sort of sterile, scientific, business-like, um, a variety of ages, and I mean, they—it is desexualized. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, that's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Huh. Fun little movie. Yeah, I, I yeah. particularly liked the uh, the little gold. No, the the little gold stand with the red velvet curtains to um, with the, the stirrups with the stirrups for the ladies that went over their their yeah. lower half. So it's your basic, you know, hospital sort of thing where they they gown you, but it's velvet red velvet curtains. It and looks that like... cracked my shit up. Red velvet curtains, really? It, it looks like a puppet theater. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, you, you, you open the, you open the, the little, little curtains, curtains and, and there's the show and, and, you know. and there we go and <laughs> tell me if I'm in the right spot <laughs> oh god oh, yeah 
Very um, funny. That was a very delightful little film. Thank you, Gordon. Yes, that thank was, you, Gordon. It was, was it was fun. That was very delightful. I'm glad that you recommended that to us. All right, so it's my pick to follow that up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And um, I feel like the we should continue on with the feminist bent, ooh. right? With the sort of okay. the feminist vibe of the last movie. I'm with that. So we're going to watch Kiss Me Kate. Yay! Yes! Yes, the Howard Keel classic MGM with Ann Miller and Catherine Grayson. And as we know, Bob Fosse. Bob Fosse. Bob Fosse and we've Tommy gone, Rall. We've gone a long way without hitting a musical. I know. I know. Okay, we're going to go full mu- musical now. Yes. Oh. You're going to see Howard Keel in those tights that I've mentioned. <laughs> You're going to see Tommy Rawl dancing up a storm. Oh, my God. Tommy Rawl. And and Bob Fosse as well. And Ann Miller's going to tap like a mofo. Tommy Rawl is in my happy place. Tommy Rawl is... (laughs) Tommy Rawl is a happy place. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So, yeah. Kiss me, Kate. All right. Woo! Woo What is it, sweet Bianca? I'm a maid. Who wants to marry? Any Tom, Dick, or Harry? Any Harry, Tom, or Dick. So. <laughs> wow there were a lot of songs i knew already just from Be- well, you know classics. Di- diffusion through popular culture like brush up your shakespeare it's like oh i know that one uh-huh. yeah <laughs> and too darn hot it's like mm-hmm. ooh, dance that again yeah that woman is like 90 percent leg she really is and they, those feet just go everywhere go everywhere and she spins like a top <laughs> i mean seriously because yeah. as somebody who dances she's a spinner that that girl could spin and she somehow manages to not just fall over or throw up very impressive <laughs> all right her inner ear must be amazing and i i know i kept saying it but seriously the tights right oh god howard heel those legs those, those stripes this the, the asymmetrical stripes i yeah. i appreciate that even more somehow i but, i think the costume designer deserved an award yeah, and, and then he comes out with the red thing at the end it's like oh my god give <laughs> me a fan oh he's six he was six foot four. Oh, and that voice and those eyebrows oh and, yeah his voice oh, is glorious. And he delivers the hell out of where's the life that late i led He's having a great time with that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine Grace and I could take her leave. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but Tommy Rawl. And Tommy Rawl. Oh, the boy could fly. <laughs> Seriously, he just sort of, boing. He, he just defies gravity. It's just amazing. Okay, listeners, part of why I wanted to show this to Melissa is in our Fosse episode, I talked about Kiss Me Kate and the fact that this is there is a moment in Kiss Me Kate Bob Fosse is one of the three suitors. It's a secondary role. Very, It's actually pretty minor. But there's a moment in Kiss Me Kate where he has a one-minute dance solo that Hermes Pan saw him dancing and said, I want you to take your own solo. And I told Melissa there's a moment where Bob Fosse comes screaming out and you're just, what happened? <laughs> The the beautiful thing is earlier in the movie, like I don't recognize Bob Fosse's face, especially you know he's pretty young here. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, which one's Bob Fosse? I know that one's Tommy Roll. Which one's Bob Fosse? And so I'm watching like the early tap dance number, and I I see the knees go funny on one of them. It's like, oh, that's Bob Fosse right there. <laughs> that- that one, that one. <laughs> well, he kind of moves, and then yeah, the way he 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 does this funky thing with his knees as he's tap dancing. Oh, that's Fozzy. He brings it in, and, and then he and, comes, and then he comes out, and it's like, oh yeah, that that's different. That's <laughs> really different. That's 
that <laughs> there's the shrugging thing and the, the hands and the and they kind of slink across the stage and slide around and yep <laughs> that is yep no wonder people went what is that what because was i that? did that i was expecting it <laughs> i know right and it's hermes pan is great I yeah. love Hermes fan choreography. Oh, it's beautiful choreography. The choreography throughout is great, but that moment, it's it's a double take on screen. What? Ah. There, there, there are moments that go to eleven in the history of movies where you go, oh, that's a that's a perfect movie moment, and there that's are a many game of them. Changer. Yeah, that's the oh entire branches of art formed off of this moment. That's one of them. Yes. Yeah. And entire. Uh, Puberties were launched based on those sites. Yeah. Oh, and there's a, a... As he kept lunging around on the set, lunge, lunge again. I'm going to... And then I'm going to stand with my feet spread apart and my hands on my hips. And I'm going to take up real estate with my legs. And you're, <laughs> you just... You can't stop staring at his legs. And the rest of him looks good, too. But you're t- I just find myself... Wow. There's so much leg. <laughs> All over the place. And and the movie was filmed for 3D, so there were so many moments. Wendy's husband came over, and we were, the three of us were watching it together, and Fess was wandering in and out. So the four of us were like going, 3D! Because things just kept getting thrown at the camera, stuck at the camera, kicked at the camera. Lean in the camera. And so you'd be kind of going, I feel like soon she's going to throw that mug at the camera. Well, the number isn't over yet. Ah, there it is! Yeah, yeah. 3D! I literally did call that one. It's like, I'm disappointed she didn't throw it at the camera. Wait for it. Oh. Oh, oh. 3D! It's a drinking game. But doesn't lessen the enjoyableness of the movie. Oh, no, This is a classic MGM Technicolor. So much Technicolor. The costume... Whoa, the costumes are crazy bright. Yeah, they're using all the crayons in the box. And the eye makeup even is like, whoa, I don't think Aqua really actually looks that good on stage. Yeah. And, uh. and oh my God, the, that neon lipstick. That <laughs> never came off on Howard Keel. I don't know how that works. Pretty impressive. Yeah, that there must have been tattooing going on. But or we once again establish that when you curl a man's hair, he becomes more attractive. Hmm. Much like Rowan Atkinson. Oh, yeah. Because, like... I never, I never thought Rowan Atkinson could be hot and then Blackadder 2 happened. It's like, oh. I know, right? How does that even work? And I don't be- even understand that science. And then at the beginning, Howard Keel has his hair sort of very slicked back and straight and, and no goatee. And we all know I like a goatee. And then when he goes to play the role of Petruchio, his hair is more curled and must. And it just is so much more attractive. Well, he has a Superman He's got that, Girl. and, and he's and his eyebrows are all the eyebrows, eyebrows and the you know a well cultivated uh, facial hair thing. That that's good. That's good. That's, that's good. good. All right. So anyway, that was Kiss Me Kate. Yes, it, the Taming of the Shrew, which is half of a great Shakespeare play. I know Taming of the Shrew by heart because I actually did it once, and oh man, I I have issues with that play, but. And you know, right that, though, it's about half of a good Shakespeare. Yeah, play. yeah, and there the are bits sort that of are good. Peters oh, out and gets weird. Yeah, like pretty much after the wedding. Yeah, I I noticed that they cut everything out after the wedding, pretty much. Because that's the boring part. You yeah. really just like where where the 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 abusive part really. It's yes, just, mm. Stockholm syndrome sets in. Yeah, and it's true of the actual stage play of Kiss Me Kate in that when they adapted Kiss Me Kate for the musical. 
for the Broadway musical for Cole Porter, they did just take all the good parts of Kiss Me Kate, mm-hmm. of The Taming of the Shrew, and then everything else was backstage musical. So you could just skip over all the parts that aren't that good. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, when are we going to get a musical of uh, Titus Andronicus? Uh, <laughs> I'll let you simmer on that one. Okay. I just, well, because well, I'm picturing Anthony Hopkins, Titus, right? Yeah. And the arms with the branches, which is true from the script. Oh, yeah. As a music. You know what? Let's have John Cameron Mitchell work on that one. Ooh. That, like would, be very, that would be very different. It could be Sondheim. I think we need to simmer on this one a bit. Yes. But anyway, I have a movie to follow this. What comes after Kiss Me, Kate? I think it's 10 p.m. It's time for a ghost story. Yay. We're going to watch Hosu. <gasps> we Yay! are going to take a bus to Crazy Town. Yay! We are going to watch insane Japanese horror. <laughs> I'm so excited. It is truly bizarre. While and, eating chili. Yeah, while eating chili. Because yeah. I made chili. Yeah, Wendy gets to eat my chili now, so. Now I'm going to eat that chili. Right, let's mm. let's go eat chili and watch, <laughs> watch some truly crazy shit happen. Oh, all yes. Right. All right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so that so, was a movie. <laughs> so we we bore witness <laughs> to how soon. I, I I liked it. I enjoyed the experience of watching it. Okay, but it's mostly just sort of a why? It's, why would that happen? The music really is what just kept yeah. throwing me. Like, boy, this is jaunty. Um. Okay, this is sort of sexy. Okay, now we've got a romantic love ballad. Yeah, yeah, it's on. like a, it's it's like uh, he, the director was uh, selecting stock music cues at random and just laying them over scenes. But okay, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with Hausu, Hausu is a horror film that was made in 1980 by um, a gentleman who whose name I forget, but he's also the same gentleman who directed the Mandem commercial, if you're in <laughs> Butnamathon Goer. Uh, okay, so people, if if you don't know what Mandem is, or the Mandem commercial, look up Charles Bronson Mandem, and it's a Japanese cologne commercial starring Charles Bronson, and it is one of the most inexplicable com- commercials you'll ever oh see. Oh my god. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Oh yeah, it's, it's delightful, oh. and you will watch it over and over. All the world <laughs> Loves a lover. Yeah, seriously, guys, watch that. Okay. And, but Hauzu is even more bizarre. And the concept is that the guy basically asked his kid daughter what frightens kids and made a horror movie with all the bizarro stuff that frightens kids. And actually, it really works on that level. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's weirdly exaggerated and, and very, very, it's very surreal. It's very weirdly exaggerated. It helps if you know that. Yeah. But even so, I feel like the vibe comes through nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, in, in that you're just weird things are happening and items that aren't really normally terrifying are 
horrifying as it turns out. But when you're a kid, you're scared of the weirdest shit. Well, I mean, the um, toilets are terrifying. Yeah, the to- toilets swimming with sharks. That was my generation th- thing. Because, you know, in the wake of Jaws, kids didn't want to go to the bathroom because sharks live in water and there's water in the toilet. <laughs> that, and, that is and the kid gonna logic. it's going to bite you. It's going to bite you in your butt. bite you in the ass. Kids are very terrified of getting their ass bitten. Oh, yeah. And you do see that in this movie. It's true. Because okay, they're, they're pulling a watermelon out of a well as you do, and instead the decapitated head of one of their friends comes in and then starts flying around and bites a girl on the butt. Uh, And that is... There are things I can say that describe what's going on in this movie and you won't believe me if you haven't seen the film... <laughs> but a piano is terrifying and it eats yeah. a girl. Yeah. It the the little keyboard cover just starts chomping on her. And if you've ever played piano, there's a part of you that gets a little and like if you've ever had that slam down on your hands, ow. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Kind oh, yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. All sorts of stuff like that. Or, you know, being eaten by mattresses or the hair in the bathtub or, yeah. you know, yeah. just the... The weird everyday things that... Dolls. I think dolls. everybody knows dolls are creepy. Yeah. Dolls are creepy. The creepy cat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all knew that cat was creepy right away. That cat but I just want to say, creepy. if you have a friend who is... Like, she doesn't, like, run around telling you crazy stories and insisting they're true. If she comes running in and says, I just found our de- decapitated friend's head... Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you should believe her a little bit more. <laughs> Nobody reacts in this movie like a normal human being. <laughs> no, that's yeah. I mean, you just gotta go with it. You just gotta go with it. Yeah, and it, the the girls have nicknames that just are their character trope. Yeah. Hi, you're sporty spice, and you're sexy spice, and <laughs> yes. you're dreamy spice, and you're eating spice, and you're yeah, yeah. You're kung fu spice. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Kung Fu Spice. Kung Fu is pretty great. Because <laughs> then she just randomly like does actual like Kung Fu movie shit. She's flying through the air. It's got the music suddenly. Mm-hmm. Oh, that part was great. Yeah, it, it's it's just this weird kid fantasy, kid horror thing, except it's not made for kids. Yeah, and it ends oddly. And there, it yeah. doesn't resolve. It, it doesn't resolve well. And you just kind of have to accept it. But that's it. I think I liked it. I, th- I think the movie took one step too many. I mean, having the, the new to-be stepmother come in as the coda was enough, and then it, like, goes another... Minute. Yeah, with the weird, like, yeah. voiceover it's thing. Like, mm, you, you were going fine, you were going fine, and then, uh... Eh. But it, there are a lot of things like that. But eventually the movie just throws enough stuff at the screen that it starts working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... the the. The lead up to getting to the house is super awkward. And you go, what the hell is going on? And the weird music and the insets and the, you know, you know all, the, all the iris effects. And, and, the, and the time it, kept shifting. It's like, are we in a flashback? Are we, and, what are we doing? And then there's, I mean, the, but there's. And, and the weird backdrops and the oh, really God. self-conscious backdrops and, and the laughing watermelon and just, bes- it, but it's like pre- preparation for what happens inside the house. Like eventually, you do get kind of into this—I don't know—the kind of the into rhythm. the rhythm of it, and it starts working. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, this is not a film for the faint of heart. 
Yeah, it's um, very this is This is definitely a film lover's film. Like, if you're not willing to just accept it, then don't bother with it because it's not actually that satisfying. No. If you're looking, if you're looking for something like sat- satisfying either characters or plot or cinema, <laughs> any of the normal ways you are satisfied by a movie, this isn't going to be that. But it is an interesting experiment. But if, yeah, if you want a trip to Crazy Town, it's, yes. it is satisfying in that mode. It's like, oh, now there's a dancing skeleton. And it's just <laughs> going to town back there. Yeah. Woo! And the yacht just walked into the refrigerator. All right. And, and killer lipstick. Killer lipstick. And yeah, uh, I liked the aunt going into the refrigerator. <laughs> that was actually great. That was a great shot. Yeah. That was just creepy. <laughs> so thank you, Melissa. I, yes, I'm so glad you showed me that. I'm glad I have a friend like you who has these movies to show me because I don't think I have any other friends who would show me that movie. So, <laughs> Except possibly Harry Knowles. <laughs> th- thank God for you, Melissa. That, that might be a 3 a.m. B-Net movie some year because it has never played B-Net yet. <laughs> it would be a good, I was saying, it would I, be a good but numathon film. It oddly. would be a 3 a.m. but numathon film. Because it would keep your attention as you were just so invested in trying to make those pieces mean something. <laughs> And the visuals are really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I think we're going to attempt one more movie tonight, okay. listeners. Okay. Okay. So this will be film number 11, which means um, it's my pick. And then after this will be the next, the last guest pick, yep. which we're going to do in the morning. So since we just watched a haunted house movie, mm-hmm. I feel like we need to watch another haunted house movie movie sweet much more much more traditional and it's the woman in black (gasps) yay we get some hammer on hammer i I don't even i don't even want to remind you what you may or may not know about it we're just gonna go well it does have daniel radcliffe i i do remember that part yeah so harry potter harry potter all grown up but still quite short (laughs) i i am i am on board with harry potter so we're gonna Go turn out the lights and turn on the hammer. Please, hammer, don't hurt him. And uh, watch us some woman in black. So, in keeping with the movie, I feel like we should just not talk for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And, well, actually, I I did turn on an extra light when it came down in the basement, so... (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I may sleep with the light on tonight. Uh, That was a calculated risk, because I remember that movie being really spooky, and it is very spooky. Spooky. It is very spooky. That's the right adjective for it. It's very into, you know, having things defocused in the background, and having things move in that defocused area. Yeah. Like, way far away, and you go, what? I just saw something. Oh, it turned around. Oh, God. Oh, God, that's a face. (laughs) It it doesn't look happy. (laughs) No. No, she really is not a happy... I mean, and you can see... Okay, spoiler alert. Seriously, if you've never seen The Woman in Black, you should stop and, like, skip ahead five minutes, five, ten minutes, and not listen to this, because (laughs) The Woman in Black is delightful, and you're better off going into it not knowing. 
right? Well, I think I think we can discuss it without going into any plot details whatsoever. Well, I'm I mean, just I'm giving them fair warning. I feel like that movie is better if you just experience it. But it's oh, I up agree, to you listeners. I agree, but I mean, we can we can say Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, that that's obvious. That's that's like right there from the get go. Hey, and Harry he does Potter's a really here. good job. And you'd think he'd have a spell to dispel. You would think such things. You know, he looks say, very good in Victorian dress. He does. He's very dapper, and he looks like an adult. Yeah, like because a lot of times those some of those child stars, it's just they yeah. they sort of linger in that sort of late adolescence, and you never quite buy them as adults until mm-hmm. they're like fifty. Nope, he looks like an adult. No, no, he's looking he's looking pretty good, and uh, you know, like I recently saw Horns as well, and uh, it's like he's a fine little actor. Yeah, Horns wasn't the best movie, but uh, he's good, and yeah. he was very good in this with Kieran Hines. Kieran Hines, yeah. Yeah. Kieran Hines is in it. Mm-hmm. And um, lots of spooky elements. But um, I did give you a spoiler alert just saying, I love that you can see in Jeanette's letters to her sister that mm-hmm. her handwriting gets more and more spiky. Yeah. And out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah. I noticed at this time, I'm like, oh. The, the slow unhinging. Yeah. Is evidence, yeah. And whatever she, whatever her state may have been at the time the events transpired, it is clear that by the time she killed herself, mm-hmm. oh, she was off. She, she was gone. That yeah. rocker, she was off it. <laughs> she was not on the rocker anymore. Mm-hmm. She was off her rocker. Woo, yeah. Spooky <laughs> and atmospheric. Yeah. And it really... Um, doesn't do a whole lot for the tourism board of Northern England. Honestly. <laughs> well, I was I was actually kind of flashing back to my uh, hike across England, across <laughs> Cumbria, because um, a good portion of the hike along Hadrian's Wall, like the last day in between Carlisle and Bonus, there's like a four mile stretch that is all tidal marsh like that <laughs> and they tell you don't go off the road because there's quicksand <laughs> like oh you, you go die <laughs> that's exciting yeah and you have to um time the hike right so that you don't get drowned when the tides come in because it it'll cover the road in like three feet of water and riptides i'm assuming or something well like. it's um it's not a uh, tidal marsh on both sides, thankfully. It's like sheep pasture on the other side, so Okay. Uh with with like flood embankments, but you can't really hike across it okay. in some places. So Alright, so in the movie listeners, uh there an old woman has died and there's all her papers in the house and they have to be gone through to make sure they've gotten the last version of her will. Mm-hmm. So he has to go to this old house. This house number one it's in the north of england and that right there should just clue you and that's not a good idea um <laughs> but it's out in the middle of a tidal marsh like surrounded by a mile on every side of tidal marsh as near as i can tell yeah it's basically an island yeah so it's an island in the middle of a tidal marsh and all like every time they drove up to it i was just like why would you live there why would you be like, you know what's nice? Well, twice a day you get your own private island. Marshes don't smell good, do they? Uh, the one I was in was okay. Okay. I just feel like a tidal marsh, there'd be fishy, 
no um, decomposing smell. No, no, okay, not really. It's but also that island creepy. Yeah, it is a creepy island. It is a creepy island. It's like old growth England. You, you come across those stands of trees and you go, oh, that's darkness in there. It's... I don't get how forests can be that dark because I've never seen that in America. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's super creepy. It's super creepy. Super it's creepy. a lovely slow reveal of all of the mechanisms and what's going on. Yeah. And... They do such a good job of building suspense, uh, and half the movie is just Daniel Radcliffe alone in a house, so he's not even talking, mm-hmm. and, and you know, random thumping, and investigations, and I have to admit, part of me is like, I heard a thumping in the house. Okay, I'll just stay right here by the fire. With the dog. With the dog. <laughs> How is... This seems obvious. Like, it's an old house. I already found a crow. <laughs> yeah. I mean... He has to go, and also his, mm, it does bother me, his plan of attack is very scattershot. If it had been me, I would have gone methodically through every Every room, gotten every piece of paper out into one room, and worked from there. But he's like... Or gotten every piece of paper into one room and left. Yes. (laughs) Here's a trunk. Let's put all the papers in it, and I go. (laughs) Yeah. Also, that would be more comfortable. Why would you stay there? Yeah. Yeah, but leaving aside, it's fucking spooky. Why would you stay there? He doesn't have a very good plan. He's not a very good lawyer. There's a reason <laughs> his job is is hanging by a thread. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I like you. I like you, Arthur Kibbs, but I don't think you're actually that good at your job. <laughs> I know you're disadvantaged because you're still mourning your wife. You got a young si- child to care for, and I know how that goes. But seriously, <sighs> just just go through every room, get the papers, get the fuck out. <laughs> seriously. Um, anyway, so that was film number eleven. We have four yes. to go. We have four to go, and the next one is our final pick from one of our special guest hosts. This one comes from it was Sharon Steitler, right? Yes. What a way to go. <laughs> I remember her description of this, and I cannot wait to watch it because yeah. she was so delighted describing it, and it sh- and it does sound like something that both of us would really enjoy. But first, we're gonna go to bed. Yep, in the darkness. What are you doing after the orgy? Wow! Oh my god, that, that was amazing. Was that was what Xanison a Weekend is all about. Oh, my God. That was so fantastic. How, how did neither of us know the existence I of that movie? I don't know. Wow. Oh, thank you, Sharon Styler, for bringing this to our attention, because clearly this was a gap in our knowledge. I know, and a lot how of people that? on my Facebook are like, oh, I've seen that. I'm like, why didn't you tell me about this movie? You have failed us all. <laughs> Good God. Edith Head. Oh, there, there are scenes where literally every single shot, sure, McLean's in a different dress and it's a different Edith headdress and it's crazier than the last. And how did that swimsuit work? I don't know. <laughs> the pink, the thing with the hat and the feathers and the, oh my God. And, the, and then all the crazy art dresses with the hands. Yeah. And the, and the ribbons, the green thing with the, the ribbons. ribbons. Oh, oh my God. 
god and <laughs> and then gene kelly shows up and he dances and oh and god. robert mitchum with the, with his chin dipple and, and, and there's gene kelly and robert mitchum and dean martin and oh my god paul newman paul newman paul newman paul. speaking french is a thing i didn't know i wanted it's <laughs> seriously it's hot i don't i don't like french but paul newman speaking french that's i a, don't really like paul newman but that was that was a that was like chocolate and peanut butter for somebody who doesn't like chocolate and peanut butter, but but together, somehow there's a synergy. What? That that makes me funny, feeling funny in my funny bits. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so this starts with the most pink. Like, it's the 20th Century Fox logo, all in pink, but it's a digital transfer, so we know that this isn't because the film has faded, so it's like, well, that must be a deliberate choice. And then it's an all-pink set, and out walks Shirley MacLaine, and it's like, well, that's not a pink filter. Everything around her is pink, except her. And, Holy the, and the yellow shit. letters of the of the credits. And then a pink, Coffin. pink coffin comes out covered in pink flowers. And then it goes racing around this mansion with, with pallbearers chasing after it. And, and it's like, alright, we're on. Okay, that's what this movie is. And then the credits roll and that's where it's like, costumes by Edith, Edith Head. Head. I'm like, oh, we're both, oh my god. And then and then lyrics by Comden and Green with music by Julie Stein. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're a musical theater lover, mm-hmm. that's just like, holy fucking shit. Are you kidding me? I'm getting caviar and foie gras. And <laughs> how did I never see this movie? And it's delightful because she keeps falling in love with different men. And every time she falls in love with a different man, she's telling this all, it's all flashback. And she's like, oh, it reminded me of this type of movie. And so each one of them is a different style of movie and i think my favorite might be the edith head extravaganza yeah <laughs> oh edith please make us 12 dresses and make each one more extraordinary than the last and the, ludicrous go wild do the whatever hat, the hat of mirabu feathers both melissa and i in unison oh my God, we were literally squealing with delight <laughs> with each dress. It's like, what's the next dress? <gasps> ah! <laughs> oh my God! The bri- and then there were her breasts presented as like like, like hors d'oeuvres on a tray. I kept every time she moved, I'm like boobs, <laughs> boobs, <laughs> boobs. This movie in 3D and, just for those boobs. And and, and Shirley MacLaine doesn't have a rack really. I mean, but they're just presented they're they they are presented like these are he, the lovely juicy little melons right here it's, <laughs> oh my god and it's ridiculous and oh wow yeah that that is a thing of 60s joy <laughs> oh only the 60s that, could come up with that yeah and 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 Paul Dick New- Van Dyke. And Paul Newman at, with his painting machine. And, his- <laughs> and there's a painting chimpanzee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's. <laughs> okay, listeners. Oh, God. Premise, oh, you, God. If you missed it when Sharon talked about this on our podcast many episodes ago, um, the premise of the movie is that Shirley MacLaine is a woman who just wants a simple life, but every time she meets and falls in love with a man, they inevitably become wildly successful, and then they die. Yeah. 
She's like, I just wanted a simple life and I'm now a millionaire. I didn't want to be a millionaire. I don't want this money. I just want happiness. You, you look like you'll never be successful. I love you. Fuck, you're successful. (laughs) And I'm unhappy. Uh. And now you're dead. And I'm sad about it. But seriously, it's not like I enjoyed the last year of our life together. (laughs) I think Gene Kelly was the biggest asshole once he got rich and famous. Yeah, I agree. I I liked Robert Mitchum's character a lot. I did too. I really liked him. And and boy, did that ring like uh, Douglas Sirk's Written on the Wind. Yes, it <laughs> yeah, did. Were you thinking of that yes, too? It's yes. It's like, oh my God, this is a takeoff. I'm Written on the Wind. Oh! <laughs> well, what was the title of the movie? The title of the fake movie was something very oh, circy. Oh, Imitation of Mink. <laughs> yes, it was very circy. It was very circy. Very oh. circy. So, listeners, I cannot recommend this highly enough. If you love movies, you need to see this film. Fuck the haters. This is awesome. Yeah, this is amazing. Anybody who tells you, well, it's not that great. They should. No, no they, should. they are wrong. They are wrong. They are so wrong. They are wrong. <laughs> Ah, so awesome. That was amazing and I loved it so I'm gonna go buy it. I'm gonna go buy yeah. it like immediately. Oh I need Chris to see this. Yes. Oh he, Chris he will needs to see it love like it. later this afternoon. My mother. My mother will love it. Teddy will love it. You know what I'll do? I have that DVD for a week. I'll give you the disc. You take it back to Video <gasps> Universe. You take it home. You show yes. it to your family. Yes. That, this is this is how much we love this movie. We will spread it gratis oh as we God. can. Oh my God, it's for me. Harry, show this at Button Up Thought. I want to watch other people watch it. <laughs> <sighs> 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 Seriously, I just, I feel like I was just hysterical and now I've had my parox- paroxysm. <laughs> I need a cigarette. <laughs> Damn. <sighs> <sighs> oh, Jonathan Price. I'll just uh, flatten <sighs> my hair down. Mm. Oh, God. Mm. All right. Melissa, <laughs> how the fuck are you gonna follow that up? God, I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think punching is the way we go with oh? this. I think we're gonna go with punching. So, <clears throat> Wendy, do you remember a movie called Santiago Violenta, which oh, we saw? Yes. At Bandamathon. Yes. This year. Okay. So Ernesto Diaz Espinosa, yes. the director of that, as I was telling you. Um, he's more commonly known for working with a gentleman named Marcos Roar. Yes. I, I listened to um, uh, Junk Food J- Cinema's, Cinemas podcast about the two of them. Oh, with you Brian are. Salisbury you, and Cargill. I'm super excited. You are prepared. This is Mandrill. <laughs> We're watching Mandrill. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, this, is good. this is an orgasm of a day already. I can tell it. Yeah, the only way you can follow up the 60s is with the 70s. Yes. <laughs> Not yes. that it's made in the 70s. It's, well, it's a love see. letter. You'll I know. see. I know. You'll oh, see. I can't okay. wait. I can't wait. Okay, let's right. fan ourselves and go drink more. Oh. Marcos Aurora. 
Roar! Having seen the man in person, I kind of knew Marcos Roar would be entirely within Wendy's wheelhouse. <laughs> oh my god, so much. Marcos Roar is like six foot four, and he's all leg. Oh, and chiseled in manliness. I just... And, and the things he can do with those legs. Oh my god, he just... I like that he's just like, I could just kick you, but first I'm going to flip a few times. And oh, before I kick you properly in the face, I will kick you like over your head, like woof. Just, oh. to, just, just to show my legs can do that. He's so flexible. Oh my God, those <laughs> yeah, legs go it's... everywhere. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. And he, he, oh. He's chiseled and charismatic. And, and, oh God, yeah. charismatic. I mean, I know that he was a movie star in Chile. Like he 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 leveraged this into like a sports drink franchise. Or well, something? yeah, yeah. Well, well, the sports drink actually made him rich. Because, yeah. Because I mean, he got famous enough to do like an endorsement for the sports drink, but instead of taking taking straight pay, he got a percentage of the sales, and the sports drink took off. Yeah. And and like literally last year at Fantastic Fest, he brought like. A container truck full of the sports drink, and we all had a couple cans. <laughs> they were everywhere. They were, is, we were mixing them with wine. It's like, what, seriously, what could we put with this? It's, it's a, you know, it's a, he's got more going on than Antonio Banderas. He should have, he should have been a major, major star oh, if Hollywood had been. But my understanding from the from uh, Junk Food Cinema Podcast is he's working as a stunt coordinator, which is great, and I think that's yeah. what he actually loves more. But damn, that man can... He can fill a screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, listeners, this is a Chilean film that is a love letter to Bond 60s yeah, Bond, 70s Bond films. assassin yeah. movies of the 70s oh. ilk. And this, oh my God, what I will say for Espinosa is this man knows how to find a soundtrack. He yeah. knows how to find a composer because when I, when I watched Santiago Violente at Batnamathon, within literally two minutes, and Melissa can vouch for me, mm-hmm. I had turned her, I happened to be sitting next to her for this movie, and I'm like, oh my God, this soundtrack is fantastic. She's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm already in love with this movie because of this soundtrack. And Mandrill is the same way. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. You just find yourself sort of grooving along. It's like, I don't know how much I love the movie, but I can tell that the soundtrack is part of why. The the, the soundtrack is part of what sells everything. And And Espinosa really knows that. Because I think every single Espinosa film I've ever seen is like, the the soundtrack's really good. Well, and he knows exactly how a Bond soundtrack should work because he is clearly using all of those beats and notes mm-hmm. throughout this movie. Like, and I don't normally notice a soundtrack mm-hmm. unless it's amazing or it's terrible. Like, like yeah. in, in House 2 where I'm just like, why is this music playing? What? Yeah. yeah, this is like the opposite of House in terms of music cues. There's, there's a moment when he's like walking down a hall and the cue is perfect mm-hmm. Bond sneaking around. And I'm like, oh my God, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not sure about the ending. I think that's the way it had to happen. Yeah. Because, because it's a cycle of revenge. Well, yeah. And for all that it's a James Bond homage it is 
very realistic. I don't necessarily think it's a James Bond homage. I think it's an assassin film homage. Yeah. I mean, it's got elements of James Bond in there with the the suave thing going on, but I'm I'm thinking this is more like Golgo 13. Mm, mm, That's a good point. I will say that if somebody who looked like Marco Zoror came up and started laying on the James Bond lines on me, I would not say no. Yeah, that that's it. I'd, I would, I'd ride this roller coaster to its end. <laughs> I would know exactly that this was a ride. This was not true love. And I don't think I'd care. <laughs> it's like, all right, this this could be good. Oh, really? You're giving me a ticket to ride that ride? I will ride that ride. Yes. <laughs> ah, I feel uh, like a winner today. Woo! So that was delightful and wonderful. I am so glad I saw that. I'm not surprised because I really did love Santiago Violente. Yeah. And, and, and you need to get on the Espinosa bus because oh, I think you'll really like pretty much anything he's ever made. I am a fan. I'm, I am I, a fan. I lament that Redeemer isn't available yet because that's uh, really well done and it has Noah Segan as the villain. I know. You keep telling me I that. Know, I want to see it. I really lament that it's not available. Uh, but also Mirage Man and Kiltro pop up on the streaming channels every month. Every once in a while, and bring me the head of Machine Gun Woman just popped up on Netflix, and I and I showed Wendy like the first three <laughs> minutes of it, and she's gone, what? Because bring me the head of Machine Gun Woman is Espinosa's ode to Grindhouse. It's amazing, and even it, just two minutes in. Yeah, it it doesn't have it doesn't have Marco Zorar, but it's it's pretty glorious and, in and of itself. I mean, within two minutes, you're gonna be like, what is? I love it. I love it and I'm going with it. I don't care. Yes. I feel like I feel like Video Universe has these movies because a place that awesome would know about yeah. something this awesome. But Espinosa has a good deal with a lot of streaming services. So well, I mean it, it's, it's smart for, for him. For low budget Chilean films. I mean There's there are there are pretty <sighs> available there is some in, beautiful in the American shit market happening in this movie. I I turn to Melissa more than once. I'm like, now these are low budget, right? He does these on a shoestring. Damn, that man can really stretch a shoestring because there is some pretty stuff. And he can make a movie in like a weekend because it's like, oh, the Fantastic Fest uh, uh, deadline's coming up. Uh, We don't have a movie yet. I got a week and $24. Let's go. So, (laughs) But it doesn't look like that. No, it doesn't. There's that scene where he's on an airplane i don't even know where they actually framed the shot yeah but the lighting is really top notch Mm -hmm. there are certain tropes there are certain realities to when you make art like if you can just master this one thing it will cover a multitude of sins right yeah um like if you can master how to move your arms as a dancer Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna fucking look at your feet right there's a certain truth to that if you can master how to light a shot Mm mm-hmm it will cover a multitude of other sins. And damn, some of the lighting in this was just fucking gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, about the only time that the budget really shows is near the end. There are some really uh, heavily digitally manipulated shots. Like, not not like CGI, but like they really brought out the saturation. It looks super grainy. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's that's just bad video. But that's about the only time the budget really shows. Mm. I mean, the rest of it is all this, this looks pretty polished and the, the, um, it helps that he's, the shots are good. The lighting's good. The, I mean, it does yeah. help that he's, he's shooting in the style of the seventies. So he's, yeah. there's a certain, uh, forgiveness that comes with it, a rough aesthetic yeah. in terms of 
graininess of video and shot composition and a certain clunkiness of style that if you made it, if you smoothed it out, it wouldn't look like the 70s. So that helps him. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a certain truth to um, if you only have three tools in your toolbox and you really know how to use those tools, you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to have all the money in the world to make a decent movie. No, you just clearly. Have to, you have that was to, great. You have to be accepting of what you've got and know how to use it. And know how to use it. That was fantastic. Yeah. All right. The next movie, my last pick of the weekend. Oh, what is it? What is it, Wendy? Okay. What is I, it? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before we go, I have to tell my Fantastic Fest story. from. This oh, year. yes. You first, totally first of all, Brian Salisbury put a beer can on his head and Marcus Zorro kicked it off in William Tell style and that was glorious. But um, also, Except if you listen he, to he, the junk food cinema, yeah. first Marco Zoror missed by overshooting. Yeah, he his his foot went over Brian's head. Brian's not short. Brian and, and is then, not me tall. I, I saw it happen and it's like, oh, here's let's a man do who, that. <laughs> here's a man who can leap in the air so high that he missed Brian Salisbury head completely. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me try again. So after that happened, uh, the Q&A with Marco Zorro was over after we saw Redeemer. And I was walking out of the theater with uh, Alan Cerny, who, who's uh-huh. Nordling on In a Cool News. And the two of us were giggling. It's like Redeemer is awesome. And this tiny, tiny Chilean woman, like she, she's like four foot nine, cascades of black hair. She's like late 50s, maybe early 60s, looks great, like a little halter top dress, and she's got biceps. Beautiful little petite woman. And she, she comes up, how did you like the movie? Thick, thick accent. How did you like the movie? My son is in it. I'm so excited. So excited. <laughs> this was a great movie. It really, because Redeemer is great. And and we're talking to her for a little bit. She goes, I introduce you to my son. She pulls over Marco's room. <laughs> Twice her height. It's like, how did you squeeze him out of your uterus? That's amazing. Woman, I want to grow up to be you. Holy crap. Did you like the movie? Did my you, son I, was in it. I, I'm so proud of my son. Here he is. And he's like, oh, shucks, mom. <laughs> it was adorable. I, 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 Ellen and I talked to her for, I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes. She was just wonderful she was just this charming little lady oh that's oh, beautiful she was so sweet I, those moments are so great marcus Roar travels with his mother i can't handle it marcus Roar takes his mother to fantastic fest i can't handle it my I, uterus is just like et going warm oh that something so pretty should be so sweet oh oh that's adorable System. So, so much going on. What? All right, Wendy. What? All right, what okay. Pick? What is your okay, pick? There is no way to top that movie. I just want to make that clear. I just want to make that clear. But of the movies I brought, there's really only one obvious choice to follow it up. If we're going to have this ode to, I mean, in between What a Way to Go and Mandrill, mm-hmm. the 60s were all over it. I feel like it's time to embrace our childhood in the 80s. Ooh. So, uh, hmm. oh, oh, 80s. <laughs> We're going to watch The Cutting Edge. <laughs> and it's not great, but it oh. is, a, it really is a gap in your movie knowledge. It really is. And it's time okay. that we filled that gap. 
I I accept I accept this jigsaw puzzle piece that will yes. fit perfectly into my heart. It, yes, <laughs> and um, I we're gonna bring it down. I I I love it. It's okay. I it's love okay. it so much, but I'm just oh, how do you top Mandrill? There's no way. But so. Yes. Anyway, cutting edge. <laughs> cutting edge. More of a Kelly. It's going to be great. You're going right. to like it. Awesome. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. Yeah. Yay. Okay. There we go. That was the cutting edge. Oh, my God, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most 80s, 90s movie that I've ever seen. I know, right? <laughs> it's like 1992. That's more 80s than... Well, maybe it's not at more 80s than Vanilla Ice is cool. But uh, ice, what's weird but... is that like the early 90s are more 80s than the yeah, 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah. the turtlenecks going on. Oh, boy. That's, that's early 90s. <laughs> that, the, oh, and the there was a beautiful mullet. There yeah. The, mullet, the mullet. mullets were spectacular, yes. And and there was a, a track by Yellow, I noticed. Yes. <laughs> yes, there was. So that late 80s, early 90s thing. That was all this thing. <laughs> Okay, so now, and, and D.B. Sweeney was a thing back then. Really. D.B. Sweeney was a thing. Hmm. Moira Kelly is actually pretty delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's got Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn! <laughs> so that's a twofer. We started with the core. Okay, and yeah. now, now, book ending. We're here at the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, is it great? No. No. <laughs> I, I think Wendy just wanted to see my face at the end. Going, oh, the physics don't work on that. <laughs> I waited for it. That's like, I seriously all, waited for it. All be- I, I was wonder. I was really kind of baffled how the action was filmed in this because it's like, okay, you have an entire movie about ice skating, and yet you seem to be really loath to show ice skating. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, there's like. You show just enough to say, hey, there's ice skating going on, but not, like, showcasing ice skating. Nope. It's like, geez, guys. It's a very strange movie. And they even had Robin Cousins to choreograph the ice skating. And yet you never see more than literally two seconds of ice skating. It's like, you know, having a... uh, Movie about karate that never shows martial arts, you know, it's just... And it's not like they didn't have access to people who could have skated. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... it, it Clearly, they did. It's just... Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. That, yeah. Yeah, it's like... And, uh, you know, as you were looking up the trivia, you know, spotlights. Yeah, that is a bad idea, doing, doing yeah, figure skating. That, I spotted that mm. immediately. When I first saw this in movie theaters... Yes, I saw it in movie theaters... <laughs> And they started spotlighting Olympic performances. I'm like, well, that that just doesn't happen. Number one, I watch enough Olympics to go, well, that's not what it looks like. But also, that would be a very bad idea mm-hmm. as you're trying to spot your landing to have a big spotlight on yeah. you. Ooh. I mean, they, they do it in um, figure skating shows, but they also don't tend to do triples and quads in figure, figure skating shows. They do doubles for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And... I don't want to, like, you know, crap all over this movie that you just showed me. It, w- it was super fun to watch. You know, the, yeah. it, it has the whole Taming of the Shrew thing going on for as much as I dislike Taming of the Shrew. This is kind of a fun take on it. But uh, I come from an ice skating family. I'm not super educated about I ice skating. I My Aunt Dawn was in the Ice Capades. Oh, you did mention Yeah, this. Yeah, and and so my like my dad's side of the family was super obsessed with ice skating for... Huh. You know, like since the 70s. And so, it, like, every Christmas, our Christmas on that side of the family is we take over the New Hope Ice Arena and everybody skates. I don't skate. My dad doesn't get, skate, but everybody else skates. <laughs> 
that literally our Christmas, like we open presents in an ice arena. That's kind of awesome. It is, it is actually. It, it, dear listeners, it's the same ice arena that was used in the Mighty Ducks. So, uh, <laughs> there we go then. But anyway, I'm sitting here watching this movie. It's like, you know, I would like to see some figure skating. And it's like, kind of frustrating to not see much figure skating in a figure skating movie. It's true. However, mm-hmm. but yeah. Toe pick. Toe pick. And, you know, the the actors are fun and, you know, it's it's just a fun little narrative. And, it's, you know, totally predictable in a lot of oh, ways. Yeah. But. It's little. It's not great, but it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And um, and mostly I just needed you to know Topic. So when people say that around you, because it does get referenced mm-hmm. a lot, you will understand where it comes from. Dear listeners, Wendy and I both posted online that we were watching this movie, and we both got a flood of comments on wherever we posted this thing. Everybody, hashtag Topic. <laughs> Immediately, you say cutting edge, people go, Topic. topic. Also, the Pamchenko, the physics don't work like no, that. No, they don't. It's like, that, but the, if you throw it, that, that won't, she if, can't fly. If you've got her in a bounce spin... And you let go. She's not going to go up. She's going to go out. Yeah. I'm, I, it's like I've done basic physics. I know how to how a parabola works. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for her to go up, you'd have to dig a trench for her to go down first. Yeah. And um, and I did look it up. And I don't know if uh, IMDb trivia is correct on this. I'm going to do a little bit more research, actually. I'm a little curious. But IMDb trivia says that the bounce spin is illegal in Olympic competition because of the danger of head injury. Yeah. Because, well, for obvious reasons. Because you're bouncing her near the fucking ice. Yeah. Boink. Boink. <laughs> And they aren't wearing helmets. Right. I mean, I wear a helmet during roller derby, and even I wouldn't do that shit. I can almost see heavy metal figure skating. You know, I, yeah, I, you know, when he was going, no, I want to use different music and, you know, playing the, the terrible hair metal thing. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, want, I want, like, death metal figure skating. That would be fun. With flamethrowers. Flamethrowing guitars and ice skating. Oh, my oh! And perhaps taiko drumming. So that would make everything There was a dude. Okay, there was a period in the late 90s. um, I was watching a lot of uh, exhibition figure skating. Mm -hmm. And there was a dude. And he had long blonde hair. I think he was Russian. I'll find... I'll look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. But... um, when we would watch this, my roommate at the time, Jill, we would watch this. We're like, oh, my God, that is a guy on ice. There was there was no figure skating. He was just a guy. He was just a dude on ice. So I'll, I'll find him because it's not that he wasn't good at what he was doing, but he he just everybody else, you know, is like, oh, look at me. I'm so dancy. I'm so flair. I'm so lovely. I'm so graceful. And he just went out there and you're like. Dude, I'm going to drink a beer while you skate. Yes. Kind of, kind of like putting a semi-truck in the hot rod parade. Yes, very much so. So I'll try to find that and we can maybe put it in the show notes. So anyway, uh, that was The Cutting Edge. I feel like it was a good penultimate film because I anything so. that comes after it is a springboard up. <laughs> oh, dear, Wendy. Oh, I have only one place to go for the final, <laughs> for the final slot. Whoa, we we got to bring the Cirque, baby. Oh, yes. We're going to watch Imitation of Oh, Mike. my God. Yay. <laughs> 
I really, I was really tempted to to swap Mandrill and, no, no, and Imitation of Life, but no, I I, I knew we had to oh, end on some yes. Cirque, baby. So we yes. are going to bring the Cirque. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Let's do this. All right. Let's do it. We're going to power through with a, like a gesture of punching. <laughs> there is punching. I see it. <laughs> this got to do with acting nothing but i'll show you how to realize your ambitions if you do as i say if the dramatist club wants to eat and sleep with you you eat and sleep with them if some producer with a hand as cold as a toad wants to do a painting of you in the nude you'll accommodate him for a very small part it's disgusting it pays off you're disgusting maybe i am but let me assure you once you get it made you can be idealistic all of 10 seconds before you die you're trying to cheapen me but you won't not me Oh, I'll make it, Mr. Loomis, but it'll be my way. Okay, then. Well, <laughs> we have been circed. We have been circed. Oh, that was high melodrama. <laughs> Woo! There, it's a very chewy movie. It's very, very soapy. Yes, yes, yes. Chewy and soapy. <laughs> and just... <laughs> oh. Okay, so the name is Imitation of Life, and the little tagline on um, on the description was like, living a lie is a poor substitute for telling the truth, which is, of course, referencing uh, Sarah Jane, who doesn't mm-hmm. want to be black. How does that relate to Laura, Lana Turner, though? Are they mm-hmm. trying to say that her being ambitious and a successful actress is a lie and she should have just been a mother? Because that's what his little smirky smile sure felt like at the end. Yeah, maybe. But I think I think it's more complex than that. I, I, th- I think the smirky thing at the end is, you know, everybody's together and, I mean, not necessarily happy because, you know, Annie's passed on, but... Oh, and wasn't I, she a magical black person? She was a magical black person. But uh, Sarah Jane at least has, like, acknowledged that Annie is her mother and has professed her love for her mother and, you know, has kind of dropped that facade for the first time that we've seen in the entire film. Yeah. I admire some of what they were trying to do, but mm-hmm. in the on the other hand, in that era, well, I think it was smart of Sarah Jane to pass. Oh, I mean, I think the, the issues that it brings up are fascinating. Yeah. Because, I mean... It, Everybody's right in their own way. And yeah. They're all kind of struggling for their own happiness. But I, it's like, well, of course Sandra D has fallen in love with John Gavin, you know, because they're actually together and interacting with each other. And her mom's not around. And she nope. isn't around other people. She's kind of isolated. So, of course. Or, you know, Sarah Jane, of, of course, it makes sense that she'd want to... She could pass, so yeah, you're. It's 1959 in America. Of course, you don't want to choose the life of a black person if you don't have to. Yeah, I mean, the minute she's like, "Yeah, nope, I'm black." Well, okay, then you can be a sec- second class citizen in every way. Yeah, and and the it, I mean uh, the the line that Annie has that um, um, how do you explain to your child that they were born to be hurt? I mean. If, that's the reality. And her mom you... still wants her to choose that life. Like, mm-hmm. you need to be true to yourself. No, I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, I don't know. I don't think she necessarily wants her to choose that life. I think she's unaware the kid truly has that option and what that affords her. Because Annie's always been black and looked black. And so she has always been in that role. 
Well, and how do you not want to parent your child and yeah, and acknowledge that for to your child's benefit, it's if they don't ever acknowledge you publicly. That's that's horrible. horrible. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, and, but uh, you know, uh, Annie doesn't know how to love her kid any other way. It, and 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 there's an interesting parallel between the two women. Like one's very aloof and not spending enough time with her daughter. You know, daughter uh, love that her daughter craves, and the other one is smothering her kid with love. Yeah. And the kid doesn't want it, and she and yeah. she's not letting go. So it, it's this nice parallel between these two women. And. I mean, and Laura wants to be a successful actress, and she becomes a successful actress, and she's ambitious, and that's what she wants, and she's unapologetic about it, and it's great, but she's not good at balancing it mm -hmm. and compromising it. So, I mean, she's both right and wrong, and there's that great moment where Annie says, I want all my friends to be at my funeral, and she, clueless white woman says, I didn't realize you had friends. Well, Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you you guys have lived together for however many and years. She's and she's like, well, you know, know this? from this, this, and this. Well, I never knew. Miss Laura, you never asked. Yeah. Whoa, snap. Because yeah. for as much as Laura truly does treat them like equals, mm -hmm. on the one hand, on the other hand, she has no problem expecting them to serve her without her having to even ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's clearly a power dynamic there, even though she is very generous with her friendship with them. It's it's still, they naturally fall into that role. Yeah. And she lets them. And then there's John Gavin. I love you. Why do you, but why do you want to have, you know, your own thing? And why can't you just stop all that? And even, and they talk about it in such black and white terms. I'm going to never act again so that I can spend time with you. Mm -hmm. Or... You could do a little bit of both. Hello. Mm -hmm. I understand that that's the time period, but it's really frustrating and awful. And he's even like, no, you're not going to go. Uh, are you asking me? No, I'm telling you. Excuse me? Who, who told you you could tell me what? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's. It's delightful, but it's very problematic and which it, but in kind of good ways, not like problematic, like, Ooh, that was racist. And it didn't know about it. No, yeah. it knew exactly what it was doing. Oh yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's playing with the social mores of the time. Mm -hmm. And, and I think it definitely, we're looking back on it from a very different period of time, but it, you know, especially considering the role that Lana Turner has, but I, I it, it's hard to know what the intent of the script was regarding what she was doing, but I mean, at least I looking, feel like it was sympathetic. Like I think I think it was really sympathetic, I extremely sympathetic, and and the fact that you know she just keeps putting off these guys is like, and no, I mean, if you're not going to allow me to have the career I want, then this isn't going to work out. Yeah, and and eventually she does say, you know, I do really like this guy. And I've already gotten what I wanted, so maybe it's time to do something else in life. Maybe it's and, time to do something else, yeah, but at the same down. time... And, and, and I don't think that's necessarily giving... I, I don't think she's compromising what she wants, because she's had what she wants, and now she goes, okay, it'd be nice to do oh, yeah. this, and spend time with my kid, and spend time with this guy that I it's really It's just like. that I also think in about ten years, she's going to be bored in a new way and want something else, because oh, I'm sure. that's what she's demonstrated, and unfortunately... Due to the time period and the way and the the expectations for both men and women, I, it seems unlikely that he would be able to 
compromise along with her and come up with a new path where right. where they they balance it out together yeah. whatever it is she wants to do now plus still being married mm-hmm. no i think cirque was being very he was i mean yeah he was telling everybody's point of view as this is reasonable mm-hmm. this this is reasonable given they just the all happen their needs just happen to be all in conflict with one another yes i love that lana turner was almost 40 when she made this movie yeah like and she's a leading she's a leading actress she's considered beautiful mm-hmm. all the men want her in in a weird sort of way we we don't get that now yeah another thing that was really interesting about this this was the first movie that she made after her daughter killed her gangster boyfriend Oh, yeah, that's right cuz yes. there was that whole big scandal of you know her 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 gangster boyfriend was hitting her and the kid came home and killed the guy and so it was this big hullabaloo. Yeah. Good for the kid. Yeah, really. But um, I, it's not still... Not that I endorse... Mer- well, I do... No, I think we all know that I would endorse him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... <sighs> it was defense. It was defense. But, I mean, they, so. they do mention in the movie, they're like, you're getting you're getting a late start to being a star. You're mm-hmm. a little... Aren't you a little old for it? And so they acknowledge it, but... But... And I, they acknowledge it, and she's like, well, that's bullshit. You know? It's she's like, like, what? What? No, cask me. Yeah, I, I have talent. Mm. And so, and her forthrightness is what gets her her first role. And I mean, she's actually a very likable character, except that occasionally, like, she's like, no, 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 no. Oh, wait, no. What? They want me. And mm-hmm. you can tell that this is somebody who just desperately craves attention, like, ooh, so many actors do. So I, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, she is driven by ambition. That is like her And she's unapologetic thing. and honest oh, yeah. about she's, it. Yeah, I'm going to go up, up and up, up and up. up. <laughs> Down, up and down. Not me. I'm gonna go up and up and up. And nobody's gonna bring me down. <laughs> oh, that was good stuff. Oh, I had uh, forgotten about that until it got said, and then I flashed back to Sharon Steitler, and I'm like, oh god, there it is. Yep. There it is. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, so that was the last film. Yeah. Yay. We made it. Oh, we made I mean, it, Wendy. Oh, 15 movies. Yeah. Whew. Oh, I feel like I need to go on a cleanse now. Like, I need to... Well, it's especially with all the food that we've eaten. I know, we've eaten oh, and we've drunk. Eaten and the booze. And oh. the booze and so much. Uh, and I just, I feel overloaded with not just food and alcohol, but movies and um, visuals and ideas. And, mm-hmm. oh, oh, my head is spinning. I'm in a Cirque movie. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. oh, you'll be fine as long as jazz doesn't start playing. Oh, God. Because jazz means trouble. Jazz means trouble. Oh, she was a terrible dancer. Oh, she was oh, God. Awful. So this has been our second Xanus in a Weekend. Xanus in a Weekend. I like that. I like that <laughs> You came up with it. So good yeah. job. Uh, thank you. Thank oh, good you. job, Melissa. Thank yeah, you. Xanus in a Weekend. Yeah, neither one of us died. That's good. And, well, I was flashing back to with nail. <laughs> yeah. Neither one of us okay. died. Neither one of us... Um, like <laughs> neither neither of us wound up drinking Sterno, no, uh, or rubbing vapor rub all over us. The, or... the woman in black did not come to claim us or relatives. Yeah, uh, yes, that's also good. We have not been hit by a train. No, <laughs> we have not married somebody rich and then had them die on us. Uh, uh, we've also not married a secret spy who saves French aristocrats. That's that's right. That's right. Sink me. <laughs> Who, sir? Me, sir? No, sir. And as far as we know, we do not have hysteria. 
It's that is true. <laughs> I think yeah. As far as we've done our best to make sure we're not hysterical. That's very true. <laughs> we are we are very very healthy yes. in that regard. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we're yeah. talking about. All right. So we're gonna wrap this up, listeners. Who knows when we'll do it again, but it we definitely will, and we hope that you will join us when we do. Yay! Yay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.